everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 152nd episode of the podcast, airing March 14th, 2023. Now, in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome back special guests, yes, guests, plural, <laughs> Nicholas Polimanakos and Elodie Sanaljabu to join me on the program to chat about a big, 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 big topic, and that is Pluto in Aquarius. Now, the three of us are going to take on one of the most significant astrological shifts to be taking place in our skies, and that is the ingress of Pluto into the fixed air of Aquarius. So we start the program by discussing the nature of the Lord of the Underworld, Pluto, and how its rare ingress into a new sign brings a changing dynamic to the state of the collective. Next, we take a trip back into the annals of history to rediscover how this transit has played out before so we can learn from the past as we go forth into the future. And finally, we run through the world themes we are currently seeing that will be expanded upon over the next two decades. It is going to be a long transit, and we are already seeing precursors to it. Uh, but we also tie into what we might see in, you know, in the distant Aquarian beyond and what may lie ahead in the years to come. So sit back, get some popcorn, uh, because this is going to be a meaty episode for sure. Now, to follow along with the images in our slideshow, I put a little slideshow together, you can tune into the video version of this episode on YouTube. And of course, if you'd like to support this program and the work that I do, you can come on over to energeticprinciples.com where you can book a personal consultation uh, with yours truly. You could also leave a tip in my tip jar and you can sign up for my monthly transit newsletter, The Heavenly Wind, which goes out at the beginning of each month and does a whole breakdown of what's to come uh, transit-wise, uh, tarot-wise, and even a little animal ambassador to guide us each month. Uh, so if you want that uh, pro bono in your inbox, come on over to energeticprinciples.com and sign up. So, all right, who is ready to hear all about Pluto in Aquarius? Here we go. Now let's meet our guests. All right, we have a very special episode today. I have two guests, count them two. We have Nicholas Polimanakos with us. And we have Elodie Sanangebu to join me on a discussion on a big topic, huge topic in the skies, Pluto in Aquarius. Thank you for joining me, both of you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having Mel. Me. Yeah, we're going to get in it. I don't know where we're going to end up, but, you know, it's a big topic, Pluto in Aquarius. I mean, we have big topics just swirling around in March, just in general. We're literally t recording this on the last day of uh, Saturn in Aquarius, um, who is about to switch signs uh, at our full moon in Virgo tomorrow on the 7th. Um, of course, this will air how long after that, but, you know, just so you know where we're at. <laughs> mm -hmm. This yeah. is like, this month is like, astrologers content dream month it's it's like if you you need content it's there every day every single day there's something on a bigger level minor level it's all there um but for the times that we're in talking about astrology through social media and new content this is like a dream month um 
there's too much. I think yeah. it's like overwhelming people. <laughs> That's why I kind of took it backseat. I was like, there's just too much. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's not my particular dream month. I I'm taking the same route. Like what can I, I only could do so much. I don't want to do it all, but yeah. um, what we're doing today is the centerpiece, I guess I would say, I mean, um, we're it just is. talking about the next 20 years. You know, no big, no big deal. I was thinking about that actually right before we got on Zoom. You know, pull it back 20 years ago. Think about 2003. What has happened since 2003? What hasn't yeah. happened? <laughs> you know, that's a totally different world. Um, and I know that will be something that we'll get into at more of the end of the program, kind of looking into the future. Um, and there's, you know, there's so many far fetched ways you can go with a Pluto and Aquarius. Oh my God, what could possibly happen? But what could possibly happen? Because I mean, you know, we think back to 2003, like the advent before as Google just gets started and Facebook is just this baby infant. And, you know, like we, our world is totally different um, since that time period. And I mean, that's a, for a slew of other things, but anyways. Yeah, 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 totally. But yeah, I just made me think about my well, I'm not going to bring on my personal life 2003, but basically how, you know, interaction. I mean, look at what we're doing right now. It's got three, three of us on camera doing this thing where it's, it's happening and it seemed like real time. There's no delay. Uh, you know, it's weird uh, with technology and what's happened. It's almost like every, you know, back in the day, there was always movies and books about time travel, about wanting to go to one place in the past or in the future. And if you think about all the way back when uh, there was postal carriers, right? People write a letter and put a stamp on it and it took whatever amount of time to go somewhere. Or even back in the day, there's the ravens and messaging and it takes a certain bit of time, but now it doesn't take any time for something to go from one place to the other. We were talking um, about pagers last night, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> we're like let's bring back pagers but then we remember that it was only drug dealers who had them yeah. i had a pager <laughs> i had a pager yeah. i did not need a pager but i had a pager yeah. because it looked cool on your hip you know yeah. awesome. it was, <laughs> must be a seattle thing or something it, it was see-through mine was see-through you could see through but the, the thing about pagers was is you had to take the extra step of finding a telephone to call somebody back right yeah. So, you know, you're looking for quarters and looking for a, a you know, a booth, a phone booth, like, and people are going to be watching this. They're like, what the hell are they talking about? Pagers, phone booth, you know, <laughs> taking a coin and putting it in a slot to, to do a communication connection. So, you know, anyway, we're going back to what you're talking about 20 years ago, or just what 20 years means when it comes to communication and interaction. It's just mind blowing. It's like a hundred years, really. Um, if we think about a progression of, of technology or what humans have used to deal with each other, you know? So it's, yeah, time is sped up. It feels like we're able to jump from here to there whenever we want. The other thing too, is that when delineating like the Pluto and Aquarius era, we don't have a choice of delegating the delineating the air period. And so I've seen kind of an overlap and especially with astrologer kind of overlapping the signification of what it means to enter the air period versus Pluto and Aquarius. I think there's a bit of confusion in both because Pluto entering Aquarius is the beginning of the air period too. Mm -hmm. And the air period is 
you know, the technology that we're seeing. I don't know necessarily that they are the same. I think the distinction needs to be made because there's a danger of just kind of like putting it all in one, in one uh, bag, you know? There is the air period coming through, which is, you know, a lot of technology. And then Pluto and Aquarius, which will be also that technology, but it's a corruption too, because we're talking about Pluto. Yeah. There's a there's like corrupted element to it, which is interesting at the beginning of the air period. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's interesting what you're saying there too, because when you bring up corruption, and I, I like that word uh, for Pluto, <laughs> because because, I mean, corruption, if we think about it is, some sort of taking advantage of or manipulation of it's become corrupted. It's almost poisoned, right? Like exactly. there's some sort of poison that comes through. And a lot of times people don't catch poison. You don't see poison. Sometimes obvious stuff like somebody gets bitten by a certain type of snake and it's obvious they're getting poisoned. But for the most part, when we deal with certain things that are corrupted or, or uh, fading or illness, it's, it's corruption from within. You don't really know and catch it. And, and in a sense, I can bring up a more modern view of, of the subconscious, what happens, the corruptions within us, you know, and then what happens outwardly reflective in culture in the world, how the corruptions appear, which the really the corruptions within us. Right. So, you know, I, when it comes to technology, what you're talking about, LED and stuff like, yeah, we, we went 20 years, we went 20 years, we started talking about 20 years ago, whatever, but we're talking about all this technology and here we are now. You would think on paper like, oh, Pluto and Aquarius is going to start off and this is when it really kicks in, but it already has kicked in. But I think here, the next chapter, and I'm, I don't think we're being negative. I just think we're being real that I think the next chapter here, when it comes to technology and certain things is the obvious corruption. And it's already blatantly there in my mind, like in my eyes, I see it. I don't think, I don't know if a lot of other people do and the people who don't, I think they're going to see it in their own way. They're going to have their own reality check with how, corruption and what it, how they interact with technology, you know, in the world and with other people. So. Yeah, it's a, I mean, I mean when do you even think about corruption? First thing that comes to mind is the advent of all this technology and this social media and the increased news cycle and presence of just everything that's out there, our just overall awareness of corruption is like tenfold, you know, because there's so many corrupted things going on on the planet for millennia, right? But how many times do we actually know about it? And we're in this- base where we see it literally every single day like all these <laughs> you know yeah that, and that was a lot of the work of Pluto and Capricorn was kind of unearth the sort of hierarchical capitalist corruption that is taking place and make us aware of that we're kind of emerging from from that realization I think that culminated with Saturn Pluto and Capricorn just like really blatantly just seeing the the corrupted structures of society and how it works. And that segues us into the Aquarian time, which is a lot more equalitarian. Yeah. And so Idealistically. Like, yeah. And so we're like, let's, let's deconstruct these hierarchical, hierarchical structures. Like there's people who have power. Why do they have power? It doesn't make any sense. And we can see like the last couple of years, the dialogue culturally is Bessos. Why does he have all this money? If the wealth was distributed equally, everybody would be comfortable. Mm -hmm. 
so there's this awareness now of the corruption and thanks to Pluto and Capricorn, and then we're moving into Pluto and Aquarius, which obviously there's like all sorts of manifestation, but I think, yeah, we, we can get into it. But I think yeah. this sort of aware, collective awareness of how corrupted the systems are, I think that's like yeah. direct work of Pluto and Capricorn. Yeah, it's the it was the prepper. It was the yeah, fluffer. The <laughs> <laughs> it was getting us ready. <laughs> or we're, <laughs> we're like, uh, what are we going to do about this? What are you, you just going to talk about it? You're just going to pretend it doesn't exist? Like, it's like the the reform element um, that is going to come in. And I feel like that speaks to the ages uh, when we're going to go back and kind of time and look at yeah. previous passes of Pluto in Aquarius. Yeah. Reform um, is a good word for Aquarius. I yep. find <laughs> totally. Yep. Yeah. And it, yeah. And I, should we jump into something? Cause I was, you're talking about reform and something already popped into my brain of like one of the things that we're going to talk about. I don't know if we go there yet, but uh, I, yeah, I also uh, actually, let me say this too. I, it's interesting the timing of things because of Pluto and Capricorn, Pluto and Aquarius, but like Saturn's been a major part of this too yeah. because of Capricorn and Jupiter too. You know, Jupiter's been along for this kind of build up and ride through Capricorn, through Aquarius. You know, um, then when we just did Jupiter and Pisces, but we did have Jupiter involved here also, and um, and so I, I don't want to forget about that. But um, I listen. I'm personally excited for the corruption to be revealed we're all excited i think yeah i i think <laughs> we got our popcorn we're ready yeah <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if it's because of wh who we are generationally because you know we started talking about pagers here so it kind of shows a little bit of our generation right but it's like i i'm i'm excited for the unearthing of corruption on a deep, on a more mass level. And I think a lot of times when something like this happens, you get examples that we're going to talk about, like certain revolutions that have happened, certain things is because things have to permeate culture in such a way where there's a mass type of uh, mass humane collective shift and, and, and people doing things together, you know, and even though we feel together and we're interacting with each other because of technology, when we deal with major shifts where everyone's almost on the same uh, wavelength that this is what i'm excited for personally and i you know i don't know we don't know exactly how it's going to go but we're looking back on history and and we're seeing shifts that happen collectively you know so um one way anyway i guess we should we could save a little bit of that for later but um <laughs> save a little of that later so yeah. i guess well i mean i didn't even really get to give you guys like a few seconds to say who you even were we just jumped right in there we're like we got things to talk about <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh nicholas you still have the floor just give a brief who who the hell are you why are you I'm, on this podcast I'm human <laughs> i'm human a pluto has a major influence in my chart um thanks for saying my name correctly nicolas polymonacos my website is sparklesofgold.com i'm on youtube i've been an astrologer i don't know for a while now so i've you know i do one-on-one -on -one consultations along with some youtube videos and also have helped out behind the scenes in the astrology world so that's who i am love it elodie who hey. you be <laughs> well i'm uh, i'm a french canadian obviously with this name <laughs> and uh I'm an astrologer in Newfoundland, but obviously worldwide web. 
and I'm good friend with Nicholas and coming to be good friend with you too. And uh, yeah, I love, I love Pluto. I love the <laughs> underworld actually. <laughs> I journey there often. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got the the hounds of hell on your shirt today, right? That's we right. got the yeah. There you go. We got the gatekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, I love it. All right, well, let's just jump in there and uh, talk a little bit quickly about some just technical details before we kind of get into things. And I actually made a little, somewhat of a presentation here to if you're watching the video to. Uh, have a uh, visual of some sort. Who doesn't love visuals Amazing. here? You know, we got our Pluto in Aquarius, which is going to ingress uh, for the first time on Thursday, March 23rd of 2023. So literally just right coming down the pipeline here. Um, and it's going to be a brief first entrance. We're going to have it, it just kind of dance on that zero degree of Aquarius, which actually is a very important degree that has been hit um, in the last couple of years because of Jupiter Saturn uh, having conjuncted there. So that's that's a piece that we could probably bring in. Um, but it's going to move out in June 11th of 2023 to go back into Capricorn for a little bit longer. Ingress again January 20th of 2024 to spend time until September 1st of that year back into Capricorn one more time final business to be done. And then it will officially enter Aquarius on November 19th of 2024. And it will be there until uh, 2043, uh, 2044. It'll do that same dance in and out of Pisces. So this is a long period of, of time. And one of the things like, what's interesting, I think about the Pluto cycle is we're starting to get into the long Pluto years, right? You know, um, just the way Pluto's orbit is, it's when it Virgo through Capricorn are like the shortest transits. And so here we're entering this, you know, nearly 20 year period that's going to then go to 23 years in Pisces, almost 30 in Aries. Um, Of course, I have a graph up here that is showing uh, the cycle of Pluto since the early 1800s when it was in Aries. But any thoughts on on those uh, on just how Pluto has different moves or different signs? Just curious. Yeah, well, I was I had some thoughts about the different ingresses because it's really interesting. We were talking about Pluto and Capricorn kind of finalizing the eruption of corruption, you know, like the money system or whatever anything Capricorn represent on a mundane level. And the back and forth that Pluto does back in Capricorn. I think is really at the 29th degree, which is a critical degree is really, I think it's going to continue. Like we said, like unearthing that. And we, if we look at the first ingress of Pluto and Aquarius, it's literally on the spring equinox. There's this real sort of crucial zero moment, like the sun moon, we have a new moon at zero Aries. It's just kind of like, it's really poignant to look at as an astrologer. And then when it re-enters in January 2024, it'll be conjunct the sun in Aquarius on that day. Like it entered at zero Aquarius. So there's all this kind of new emergence, you know, like from a more, I don't know, like symbolic <clears throat> delineation, the zero degrees, the beginning, it's the initiation of something new. 
while the 29 is kind of like finalizing something. So really see this, there's just like these layers and layers of newness coming through <clears throat> with that, even with the ingress of Pluto and Aquarius, like starting on spring equinox, then coming through again with the sun at zero Aquarius conjunct, you know, Pluto. Just find I, that really poignant. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I feel that, Elodie. And it's since we're dealing with a planet that takes, I mean, it takes a while to go through each sign and to do full cycles, you know. Uh, if we think in the long-term time-based type of thing, yeah, it's like, okay, Pluto is going to enter in Aquarius, then go retrograde, do this thing. It's like, okay, it's like a year and a half of going back and forth. But it really, it isn't that long of a time in the bigger scheme of things. So to have overlap, it's interesting. I think this is for those who are studying astrology or into astrology, we have dates that we use, you know, like, okay, a planet or, or goes into a sign or goes into a space. And sometimes we see it right on that day. But a lot of times in astrology, stories are overlapping. Uh, cycles are overlapping. So what you said, Ellie, like layers. So, you know, to, to see the uh, uh, walking through a door, but also you're still coming out of the door behind you. And, and so stories like this, it, they overlap. And I think it's important to remember this because sometimes we're like, you know, I'm like, listen, I earlier talked about how psyched I am for this transit. I mean, will we see something blatantly obvious? Maybe. But a lot of times here in the next year and a half till November of 2024, it'll, it'll be like uh, these little intertwining stories of goodbyes and hellos of, of Pluto and, and them overlapping and shifting off of each other. Um, to go on what you said about zero degrees and like 29 degree anoretic, these are total PowerPoints. It's amazing this is happening during the equinox at zero degrees Aries, Aries points. If anybody who does deeper research in mundane astrology knows the Aries point is huge in our history. They've always had certain types of uh, mundane events that have happened that, that signaled major shifts in civilization. So you have that along with Pluto doing this, this movement for the next year and a half. And what I would tell people listening, watching, is to accept accept that there's overlaying stories, that's complex, but also accept the inevitable, that there is no going back. You know, there is no, you're going to go back and reflect and you can't help but carry certain stories with you, but you got to walk forward and the world's going to bring that to you anyway. So, you know, start accepting it. The acceptance period I think here is the next year and a half. So, well, and that's an interesting point, Nicholas, because one of the unique things about dancing in and out of Capricorn and Aquarius is that it's under the same domain of Saturn. So there is, I mean, they're completely different signs, but they still, you know, function to this same ruler. And it's, it's interesting that that ruler just happens to move into Pisces right before <laughs> this ingress, which is breaking a streak of it being in its own domicile. Um, mm -hmm. But also to speak to this point of the 29 anoretic degree and the zero degree, these power points and these transition points and the fact that the prime primary part of this dance that will be done will be when Saturn is also transiting, you know, the last sign of the Zodiac that is Jupiter territory that has its own wrapping up its own, you know, full completion of a story sign based wise. And, um, I just find that interesting to add to the couple of years and what that transition space could look like. Mm. 
um, too. Uh, so I, just any thoughts on the fact that uh, Pluto will be on the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction degree? Or is that a podcast in its own? <laughs> well, I think it's, I think again, like I was saying, it's like when delineating Pluto and Aquarius, people are putting all of the significator of the air period into the Pluto and Aquarius. But I think it's important to make that distinction again. Like a, the advent of AI, I think is not necessarily Pluto and Aquarius. I think it's more related to the air period. Mm-hmm. But because the air period is being initiated with such a huge um, shift with Pluto and Aquarius, like a, a, a more minor one than the 200 year air period that we just entered we're kind of confusing the two but the fact that it happens on the conjunction point again it's kind of just like the subtitle of the novel of this 200 um year air period that we've just entered yeah it's like the the opera that just started is like sometimes the 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 part of a story in opera they'll throw the stuff later the, the, but, uh, the, the, the opera starts with with that like with Pluto yes. exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah like it's the, like the, the opening intro. scene is someone dying you know <laughs> it's like this dramatic yeah. there's an abduction like, there's someone yeah. dying there's an abduction but is it a deep fake though <laughs> yeah right who knows who right. knows well and that's the it's such an interesting part of this uh you know we're only going to get this taste of in 2023 of you know march through june of pluto barely being there but at the same time, we get the opening square of Jupiter squaring Pluto um, from zero degrees of fixed signs. So I, it does have this dramatic entrance. And if any, you know, if anything, maybe there's a blessing to having Pluto and Aquarius at this time as we enter this much longer air age, because let's get all the let's bring all up to the surface what needs to be dealt with ahead of time so that we can actually maybe make something you know, of integrity out of this period rather than finding out later of all the, you know, the corrupt or bad ways to go about things that we have to fix after the point or fact rather than like, let's fix it all first and like actually benefit um, from what comes after. And, you know, I love Pluto, Jupiter. If you look at charts of Pluto, Jupiter is is just like, it's money, (laughs) not necessarily like money, but there's something really really it's one of the best ask i was looking at mick jagger's chart the other day and he has sun pluto jupiter in leo conjunct the ic and i was like wow that's powerful yeah it's so powerful pluto jupiter is just so rich it's so that opening square i think is really interesting what i'm dreading is when saturn is going to be in taurus and we're going to have pluto square Saturn Taurus. That's when I think it's going to get kind of more crunchy. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah big yeah. part. And which is the end of this decade. The end of this decade. Uranus is in Gemini. Uh, in Gemini by then, and we know what kind of what that means. But we can get into that later. Yeah, yeah. But sure. but it's good to it's good to to hear because we started talking about this as a story in opera, and Pluto is right out there in the forefront, right? Yes, exactly. But, yes. but it's good that you're bringing the Jupiter element into this, so just so people aren't completely freaked out here in the beginning. <laughs> like that, it's not as like you said, crunchy as like Saturn Pluto is going to be. That there's something about Jupiter Pluto that you know, obviously, when we have the outer 
planetary bodies, you know, and, and they're relating to the the inner bodies, the more traditional bodies. We could this is where we see stories actually play out in front of us. We see the subconscious play out consciously within ourselves and in the outside world. So this this is a benefit, Jupiter, to look at it that way. And actually, if you want to uh, utilize it uh, and have a certain type of, um, in the beginning of a Pluto transit like this, to have some sort of vision that's involved of what can be, not for just for yourself, but what can be for all of us. You know, and, yeah, and I, I that's how I, I look very at very Aquarian. Totally. Is, it totally <laughs> as is. you are, <laughs> Nicholas. As I am. I got major Aquarius planets. Um, uh, yeah. For all of us. That was a good, uh, good speech. Yeah. Aquarian speech. Can't forget. Okay, I, you know. The opening, the, the opening square with Jupiter and Taurus, I think is a story of wealth. You know, it really much. We're talking about wealth. And just the, tr- the transformation of wealth. What does it mean? Everybody's in debt. What does even money means? What is the new systems that are trying to be implemented? How does wealth work? Like the inequalities, all that. That's the story of Pluto, but even more so Jupiter and Taurus and what's happening in Taurus. So this opening act, I would think of it about as wealth, not necessarily money, but. Yeah. Like yeah. on a personal level, like you're what's what's what do we have? Yeah, we're, we're you're talking about what do we have that we're not talking about wealth, but what do we have and what do we value in a sense, you know, reflective in our values and what we have within us and, and around us too. what's reflected even materially. Sometimes it could show into what's even in your room or whatever of wealth, you know, what is of most importance uh, yeah. here. So, you know, and and I think too, like you know, we had some prepping of this too, with Uranus being in Taurus, you know, now you have some other heavy hitters coming in here to, to, to see, you know, obviously one's going to look at themselves, but then this is where we start incorporating each other, everybody else, I think too. But, um, I definitely agree with you about, um, about the quote unquote wealth, not necessarily money, but what is of worth yeah. Well, and I think money too. I mean, honestly, yeah. we're, we're about to, we're going to talk about the age of the revolution. And that was a big thing, you know, like, and we're bringing the egalitarian and the, in the, what is equal to everybody and, you know, middle-class structures. And, you know, there's, there's a big divide, uh, or, you know, of people in power and money. And so talk about, uh, starting our opera off with, with a bang, so to speak, you know, it's, it's an interesting time that whole coming here in May, right around, um, when Gemini season starts, because we're going to have that square to, from Jupiter to Pluto, and then Mars is going to move into Leo and create a T square with all that. And so if you want an introductory (laughs) to, you know, some big themes that are going to come up, look to that, uh, the middle to end of May, as far as um, these themes being activated, but let's let's start to go because we have so much that we could potentially talk about. Let's start to go into the past a little bit with Pluto and Aquarius. You know what are we working with? And uh, you know the past is the past. There's always different nuances, especially planetary speaking. You know there's different potent combinations of planets at play, but we can get some themes I think with Pluto and Aquarius. And so just going back in the Common Era. Um, we have had Pluto and Aquarius uh, from 1777 to 1798, from 1532 to 1553, 
from 1286 to 1308, from 1041 to 1063, uh, 795 to 819, 550 to 574, because you everyone knows what was going on back then, <laughs> 305 <laughs> to 330, and then the 60 to 85. So, you know, we've had in this common era, we've already had uh, eight different periods. So this will be the nine since the turnover <laughs> of modern times. But, you know, one that we obviously re- remember or have documented the most of is the last one, 1777 through 1798. And this is the age of the revolution. You know, we had the American Revolution. We had the French Revolution. We had uh, the Haitian Revolution, which was the biggest uh, slave revolt uh, and most successful. And so, um, yeah, revolution. What do you guys think as well, a theme? That's the interesting thing about Aquarius, because obviously, traditionally, Aquarius is ruled by Saturn and then modern astrologer attribute Uranus. And I think, obviously, I I personally don't attribute outer planets to the signs, but we can see here a sort of parallel with Uranus, with the revolution aspect. Because if you look at Aquarian people, a lot of them are actually very conservative. There's so many conservative politicians that are Mm -hmm. Aquarian. Um, so why is it that there's revolution during Pluto and Aquarius? Well, we're talking about Pluto. So, you know, there is kind of this disruptive, like destructive, because Pluto is about destroying to be to re- be reborn better. So there's an it's easily confused with like, oh, let's rebel for the sake of rebelling. But I think with the Aquarian, you know, it's really it's especially with Pluto, it's like destroy the status quo to to build it better like for everybody yeah i it's i think it's important to remember too when we talk about political events or let's say we're gonna what we might think is gonna happen that it is working regardless of political parties in a sense i mean it's reflective in groups and sides that people take right but astrology doesn't pick sides yeah, uh, it, it doesn't pick sides. And so this is where one has to step out and look objectively of how things, if we're talking about transits like this. And so saying they're saying that, but I, I like what you said, Elodie, about making the distinction of like Aquarius this, like, because it can be put in a category like Aquarius is going to be autonomous and, and differentiate itself from what's normal. They're not, this, typically, the Aquarius energy is standing in the normal line of people and at some point just can't deal with it anymore. And, just has some sort of moment where it breaks off from from the normal line and it needs to be on its own path on on their own way right and so i could see how some people are going to attribute um uranus to something like this to, yeah. to like in the modern way but it isn't it isn't because that breaking off of one path is not just breaking off it's a construction of one's own path uh, individually and that's where saturn that's why saturn rules that sign yeah, you know, and it so, stems from alienation. Often, it's like the yeah. it begins yep. with alienation. Yeah, it's cold. You're yeah. talking about cold alienation and air sign, and and it does what happens here in the breaking off. And it, but first, you're absolutely right. It starts off with some sort of casting out or breaking off because of alienation, finding oneself alone within a within a structure or group or something. Which yeah. supposedly you're not supposed to be feeling alone when you're sitting with a group of people, let's say, right? 
But when you're not really aligned with the code of those people or the group or whatever it is, you're st- you're sitting alone. It actually feels more alone probably to be in the group of people in that way than actually being alone. Yeah. So anyway, to go back to what you said about making the differentiation of like what Saturn does, what Uranus does, you know, and how things get attributed to Aquarius. So to go back though, to what you said about Pluto and this, these times of revolution, I think is when we come back to the actual corruption of things and and Pluto's first forms of showing itself is corruption. And so this will show itself regardless of political parties. People have views and they're going to, you see it now. You see it actually now in the United States. You've seen people from the right, far right or whatever, they look at government as corrupted. You, yeah. You're going to talk to the left or other parties or whatever. They're going to say the same thing, just in a different way. Like way. It's, yeah. it's a different thing. So in a sense, if we step out from even that, there's corruption going on. That's for sure. You and know? what you were just saying about being alone and feeling alone and not relating. I was like, that's the experience of social media that everybody's having right now. Yep. You've just put your finger on it. Like it's just, and so maybe, and I know we're just, in the historical section, but it just really was, I was just like, yeah, oh my God, everybody's feeling alone. We're yeah, just but, like all connected, but everybody's just like in their little circus. Yeah. I think what you said, Elodie, though, is connected to politics, actually, because if we were to if we were to go back to look at what happened in the Haitian Revolution, French Revolution, American Revolution, you know, for the times of how people were relating to each other and what they were using to communicate with each other, it got to a certain point, obviously, of pol- it, things were polarized, right? Yeah. And and people get together and they find ways to come together in mass to change something. And I don't think, I, I think that's been happening in modern times in our time now with Pluto and Capricorn and here we are in Pluto and Aquarius. I think... That alienation you're talking about with social media, even though we're binded together constantly, that that we think we're together in that rapid time movement that I mentioned earlier, we're constantly engaged with each other. It feels like we're together, but we're not. And in yeah. places like this, of that alienation you're talking to in in these tech times, I even think that the depth of aloneness yeah, the depth of 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 like how one is feeling casted off is such an illusion in general. Because in other times, you see it face to face organically with people in your community. Okay, but here we don't. Ha- we seem like we're connected, but we're not. And I think something that will stem from this, and that what's happening is it's in and I think an innate in human beings to rebel, to branch off. Yeah. When they are alienated, it's just, yeah. we've never seen it this way before, but nothing's ever, nothing's changed. You know, people were alienated during the French revolution. We have a major uh, class system based thing. It happened in American revolution, which, you know, based first off of the history of America, people coming over here because they were cast off in England. And then basically we're, we can bring in the slave trade because that's really what the United States is all about and people casting off and separating and so on. And so, you know, we're dealing with power in the end. But I, I want to say, you know, that we're repeating things again. It's just in the most weirdest <laughs> illusionary form of like we're because we seem to be fully connected. But we're not. I mean, 
these are. I think we are fundamentally, though. <laughs> fundamentally, I, I think organically we are. Yes, I think organically we are. So, but to go back to the just to go back to the revolution time, you know, the French motto that came out of the French Revolution is "Liberté, égalité, fraternité." And fraternity is such an Aquarian mm-hmm. word. It's just like this. I feel like Aquarian is the most human-centric sign. It's the the sign the most focused, like on on humanity as a as a whole. It's like if Leo, the opposite, is about like the ego of the person. Aquarius is the ego of like the human family or something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that's, I think that's going to be a big part of uh, Pluto and Aquarius and the themes that come up is the good, the good of all to the good of all, because that, you know, that's kind of the driving point, especially the age of revolution is, you know, being very uh, under the thumb of the power structures and, you know, whether it's the American revolution and still being uh, trying to be dominated by power across the seas um, from multiple countries. It wasn't even just, you know, the English, it was the English, it was the French, it was the Spanish, it was all, it was the Dutch, you know, but it, why is this uh, looming sense of power trying to affect me locally? You're not here. You're not in it. You're not part of the community. You know, like, why would you hold any power? There's something that you're not necessarily a part of. And so I think that's an an interesting part, especially to go back to what Nicholas was saying about being alone and um, this social media and being connected to ever to everybody. But we're not we're connected to these these corporations and these, you know, I mean, I was on Facebook yesterday. I got to a point where I was just scrolling, scrolling. It didn't need to be scrolling, but I was going, it was just ads. It was sponsored. It was suggested. It wasn't a single one of my friends. I I got plenty of friends on there and it wasn't a single one. And then the same thing with like being like a musician and being such a part of, um, you know, working in record stores for years and, the coming together of music and community and finding things out and, and being a part of something locally, like that doesn't exist anymore because there's nowhere to gather. There's nowhere to have that fraternity, you know, like locally. And so I think this sort of local dynamic um, is going to be have a resurgence, uh, so to speak. And the same with the, the power component with um, wealth that we were just talking about earlier with, you know, Jupiter and Pluto. Um, but that was a big thing with the French revolution, right? You know, we're here, this is these upper class and the royalty. Well, what about us people down here? There's this huge gap and we're not going to take it anymore. You know, and it was this time period that the middle class was, uh, essentially being created. And, you know, something we'll talk about a little later in the program is, you know, the threat of the middle class now, after this whole cycle has, you know, gone through, um, and <laughs> it, the, the gaps getting wider again. So these, yeah, I think the community yeah. component is really big, at least in my the, mind. That's the weird thing with social media. I think it's actually, it's a great equalizer because we're frequenting online people from all social class. And it allows us to see people like I have friends who are punked 
and like dumpster diving. And then I have friends who lives in the hills of Hollywood and only goes to fashion show and party all the time. And you just, every day you're like kind of exposed to like all of these different things. People like uh, collecting money because they need like surgery and they're broke versus like this like excess of wealth and like the fashion industry. It's just one example. And like these high end restaurants and stuff. So we're just literally seeing it all like equally <laughs> on our screen. <laughs> and I, I think that's really alienating because it seems that like you can make it or you can be more comfortable or you can be on vacation. Like why is everybody's having fun? And even though we know like social media is just a, a, mir- a mirage, like we're still, it's just a reflex. We're just like, why am I hustling? Why is this bullshit? Why am I seeing people on the beach? Like, you know? Yeah. You seem like, you seem like you're on equal terms with the person you're seeing on the beach. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah. like you're there with them. Like they're, Oh, you're like us. We're like, we're just alike. But yeah. I, I think, you know, I think what's interesting here is, is you brought up social media and Facebook. You brought up the music world. And we're talking and we're bringing up French Revolution, the American Revolution, and all these things that have the common thing about independence or something new that came in, something like Facebook, an example that was new. Before it had ads, before it everything, it felt completely like we were sharing in this certain type yeah. of way. Eventually became corrupted. Yeah. You can look at you can look at the music world, same kind of thing. Oh, blah, blah, blah. We're sharing what music used to mean. Technology came in, it actually seems to cool. Eventually, people were stealing music. Eventually, record companies stopped signing people. The whole industry changed. It became corrupted. But the base premise ideal when these things came into play were actually based on that community-based thing. Like the ideal yeah. started off there. But if you if we're coming to look at now as an example, you see the poison and the corruption that's happened. But it, it did start off in that Aquarius connective community-based way. Where everyone oh has God. a fair shot. Everyone has a fair shot. Not only do they have a fair shot, you get to be your individualistic self in that space. Yeah, but, exactly. But but people, this is what people do. Not all people. We all do it in some sort of form. But what people do, and when I break down people now, with people with the cash and the power, they're not stupid. They see something like this. Not only do they capitalize, they take control and manipulate. You know, and that whether someone I don't care if anybody agrees with me or not, but that's what's happened. We have the ultimate manipulation game going on with the premise and the and the facade of we're together. Yeah. You know, and and it's not. So again, that's not exactly American Revolution, French Revolution, but if we think about those times of where people got to a place of like, actually, this is BS, this is illusionary. This where we get the scraps and it seems like we're together with you while we eat the scraps and you're up there eating something else and drinking something else we're doing this but sometimes you throw us a little bit of something and it feels like we're on the same equal plane but we're in a consciousness prison we're literally in a prison within the social media realm and the virtual world yes it's it's a confined it's a confined space you know we have we're like oh well we can make money i have to hustle online and all of that but I think it's a prison without bars and yeah, there's mm-hmm. testimony for that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we find ourselves 
in that container now. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. yeah, yeah it, it's and that's inter- what you're speaking of. I think speaking on like people grab the power and do what they wish with it. And now we find ourselves compulsively because there's so much that results from, you know, people manipulating these, these structures online and our consciousness. It creates like the, reper- the social repercussion, the, the way people vote politically, politics, like happening on Twitter, like politics happening yeah. on Twitter, yeah. you know? So it is actually a, a huge deal. It's just that it's not happening physically it's happening with our consciousness and it's, it's happening it's with it. right in here too yeah. it, it's this is this thing you know and it's and if we look at something like the french revolution which basically because it, it was basically a structure it got to a point with the feudal system it was the feudal system that was happening there and things got so bad was, there was a change you know not saying it's the same thing but in a sense of like, if in our minds and what how we think we are, what we portray ourselves to be through our avatars, through our profiles, whatever, with the corruption and ma- major corporations kind of setting that up, we think we're free. We think we're free, but we it is actually a feudal system. You know, TikTok, you got billions of people on there, but how many articles you see every month and a half that they admit somehow it comes out that they're picking which video takes off oh yeah when they, totally. when they yeah, choose absolutely. to when they In, choose to and influencers that, that's, feed the algorithm yeah they don't we don't is it truly equal do we we do we really have the chance well, just like everybody else right <laughs> so I, I it's so that's a mind thing and and i'm you know trying to show the connection too of like caste system feudal system that happens that happen with these revolutions because that's basically what happened there is just, you know, when we're talking here, I think it's of the mind. It, it's yeah. in here, you know. And then you find yourself in the physical world deteriorating physically, or you yes, can't exactly. go to the doctor, you can't do whatever. But in your mind, you think you're you you have this serotonin hit, or you feel like you're being seen because you got a bunch of likes or certain things, but it's it's like a false thing. Okay, now I think we're we're like ranting against social media. We're, 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 we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, here. we're, we're sorry. I'm trying to find the I've got connection. Another slide though. to go on. Yeah, Can we're I, trying to find the connection. I was trying to find a connection to these revolutionary things, like the yeah. prim, the you know. So, so two books that were written <laughs> last time Pluto was in Aquarius: The 120 Days of Sodom by Marquis de Sade. You know, so like 120 days of Sodom. Anyway, it's, you know, so you can look it up. And then also Dangerous Light Liaison, which is a French novel, which is basically two lovers that turns rivals and they amuse themselves at ruining each other's life, basically. There's a movie on it, a French movie, but that happens all in the context of a French revolution. And it's all class stuff and the corruption of the mm-hmm. nobility and all of that. So that's two books that I found that were written last month. Interesting. Month. Yeah. Well, we have another book that was written that was quite a groundbreaking uh, change in how we view um, life here on Earth, I guess what we could say mm-hmm. is uh, in Pluto and Aquarius. Um, in the time before in 1543 uh nicholas copernicus uh had released uh on the revolutions of heavenly spheres uh actually the year that he died he it was released like literally like a month before he died or something something like that it was um 
but it was groundbreaking. It changed our whole, it eventually changed our whole thought um, from a geocentric system where, you know, the earth just stood still and everything revolved around us to the heliocentric model, which we have today, which I'm, some people might even still argue, (laughs) Um, but they're, you know, knowing that we uh, revolve around the sun. So talk about changes in mass thought and concept. Two more books. Three Books of Occult Philosophy was written in 1533 by Agrippa. So, and then uh, Nostradamus, uh, the prophecies of Nostradamus, also at that period. Because the air is also always interested in compiling, Mm -hmm. you know, the air, the air element, the Aquarian element is like the, the compilation of information. I, I actually did like a research project, just air period publication. And it seems to be always this kind of grabbing of all these concepts and doing a synthesis of things. So yeah, yeah there's, <laughs> an, there's another book that came out the same year that it's on that same premise. And that was um, uh, Andreas uh, Vesalius. Uh, well, he pub- published the book, The Fabric of the Human Body, which was um, the first to have accurate diagrams of the human body. And it was the start of uh, modern anatomy. And what's interesting about it's like, why 1543? Well, right in the earlier part of uh, this year, right before both Copernicus's book and, you know, this this anatomy guy's book is there was a solar eclipse conjunct Pluto uh, in Aquarius. Yeah. So, so talk about it is like just this forefront of thought coming forward and compiling all together, you know, that's um, and look where we are now because of just these two beginning moves um, and the, and what you had mentioned as well. Yeah, I mean, three books of occult philosophy is, you know, it's huge. trending. It's, st- it's trending. It's trending. It's been trending. Exactly. The last, slowly, the last 10 years, if those of us in the astrological community, yeah. occult communities were separate, it's come back. Everybody's doing their elections. Not everybody, but it's trending. And I thought I thought it was interesting the words that you both used compiling of information to synthesis. You basically look. The constellation, when you see the drawings of the constellation of Aquarius, you see the jug, the woman, sometimes it's a man holding the jug of water and pouring it back on planet Earth. I mean, on a basic level, basically, the water that's in the jug is knowledge. It's it's the stuff that was compiled by Aquarius pretty much and brought into their lab and synthesized into something else. And then it's put in there and it's poured back on planet Earth. That's where you get the humanitarian concepts of things of just sharing what is progressively new or has been compiled and synthesized into something else, refined in a sense, crystallized, if we think, I'll use those words because of Saturn, ruling Aquarius. And so that knowledge, that stuff gets poured back. So I found it interesting that the words that you both used, and we're talking about timing, about Agrippa, and I also think it's interesting, too, that this Heavenly Spheres book, because what, what Copernicus was doing, it took a long time for it to get in. This is heresy from the church. This is this is a pure rebel move that happened, and it took it took almost 100 years for this to become actually reality. Yeah, he went to jail, he went, basically. Yeah, went, yeah. And people were getting killed for believing in this stuff and talking about this. Yeah. Well, Galileo went to jail. 
Oh, Copernicus, yes. Copernicus yes. didn't. This, this is the irony, actually, because I went down this <laughs> rabbit hole a little bit because he had died right before. And he had held on to this for a while because he didn't want to stir up anything because he had worked for the church. So he wasn't they were all actually about his ideas. But it wasn't until Galileo and a few other people kind of came in uh, in yeah. like 1616 and then 1633. And that stirred and up. The pot. Yes. But what okay. was fascinating about that was that pot when they were finally like, oh, no, we're not about this and we're going to lock you up because of it. That's when Pluto was in Taurus and squaring these positions that Mm. are now, which I thought was kind of fascinating where it's like, no, hold on. We're not, you know, um, well, we're, we're (laughs) getting the Aquarius Taurus stuff this whole decade because Mm -hmm. Saturn Saturn entering, um, Taurus is going to really trigger that again. We're going to really so and we've already had the precursor, right? <laughs> you know, with Saturn, Saturn uh, Uranus. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, we another, had, we, oh, go uh, ahead. I was just going to say one more compiling to go on to our theme uh, at this time, too. There was uh, Gerardus McCarter, who uh, was revolutionizing navigation and map making at this time, too, and was making better, uh, na- you know, navigational tools and maps, which uh probably led to the the further conquerings and of the of the globe and where we're going so just another example of compiling thought um after you know working on things for a long time and disseminating that to others yeah you know i just to come back really quick i won't spend too much time because about copernicus's revolution of heavenly spheres is i think is interesting because of what was proposed because humankind was in the middle and when this this whole thing changed everything afterwards of how we as human beings separated ourselves and took an objective view, we stepped out of the center point and looked at everything from an outside point of view, which in a way it deals with how humans have gotten to be with scientific thought. Like you separate yourself from something to analyze it, right? And, you know, to me, that separation, again, has come up with the Aquarian archetype and also the more logical, objective, now we could say scientific view of things by separating ourselves from something, you know, and and basically that's big part of the concepts there, whether he was thinking that or whether he was thinking that or not, that's what's happened mechanically with, with what he wrote. And ever since then, we, if you... Look at history, the acceleration of what's happened with history, the industrial revolution, big part of this, and then we've got scientific revolution and how things accelerated because mm-hmm. of it. Now, I won't say anything else to that, but I will say that I think it's gone too far. So oh, I, we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. So <laughs> we'll get into that. Now, another thing that was happening during that time, too, which is big um, with. Uh, there's just there seems to be this theme also with Pluto and Aquarius of s- separations of uh, religion, which religion is just group thought, right? You know, to some extent, you know, we all assign to this belief uh, of some sort, and that was Henry the Eighth and the Protestant Reformation, because. Mm-hmm. 
you know, literally when Pluto ingressed into Aquarius was when Anne Boleyn was pregnant, about to give birth, and they got married um, right during that switch of the 29 degree to the zero degree Aquarius. And and Henry was all like, I, he was all about the Catholic Church. Like he was the great defender of the faith. He was given like that title, but once it did not suit him, and he needed to, you know, separate from his previous wife because she wasn't giving him a, a baby boy. You know, he basically separated from the Catholic Church and created the Anglican, um, you know, Church of England. And it created this whole uh, news. And it wasn't even a new segue of thought. It was power. It was corruption. It was something that he wanted. He, you know, he closed all these monasteries and redistributed the power and the land and the wealth there um, to people. And, you know, Anglican Church is still going strong to this day. And so we see this kind of division um, for personal and or power use uh, that started this. So I thought Henry was an interesting character. Um, Does it have to do with Luther's Bible? I'm because I was looking through like the 1530, like that era, and it seems like all of these Bibles get rewritten. It, there were a lot of Bibles that got rewritten um, around a little bit later in the period. And then I think maybe even to the um, the Pisces period too. Henry okay. was a little bit different because what he did was he was just like, I'm creating a whole different church, but he he did what was known as conservative reform, <laughs> which is also kind of Aquarian to the Saturn side of Aquarius, right? Where yeah. he didn't really change anything. He just needed to make a different faction where he was not under the Pope so that he could do what he wanted and, and have divorces and kill wives and et cetera. Um, but there, there were, uh, yeah, a lot of rewritings, uh, or in the, in the Bible was placed into, um, translated into English for the first time during this time two um which was an important part wow that's that's so huge actually (laughs) just a little bit you know just a a side note (laughs) yeah well yeah because you well because i it's that time too it's the same that goes along with the protestant reformation that was going on because i i'm not the biggest historian but when i looked at what was happening in france uh i think it was it was i have it here john calvin was like a major proponent pushing the Protestant Reformation, and again, there was this there's this clash going on with 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 the you know Catholic Church and them going back and forth at each other, you know. Um, and so, but what you just said about the Bible being printed in English, part of me would thought and wish that it never was printed in English. Yes, it is. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, well and so well, I think this is going to be a big part of this whole transit that we might not see overtly right away because there is this theme of religion and how it influences the power of the people and the politics and the division visions there, right? Because if we pull back to another period of um, 1054, the Great Schism, like this is a huge, huge Mm. deal in Christianity because the, this is where the Roman Catholic Church and the Greek Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox breaks off. And these are like the two main um, uh, branches of Christianity and and thought. um, And this, yeah, this is where, this is where all Christianity basically had a dividing line. 
that created the factions that then it's created the factions that came later with the Protestants and the Anglicans and mm-hmm. the, you know, all the people in the reformation in the last period we talked about, there were different proponents, either more rebellious people like Calvin, like you were just talking about. And then there's the people like Henry that aren't really rebellious. They're not trying to change that much. They're just trying to get what they need out of it. Um, and yeah, the great schism was, yeah, it just it created the two huge de- denominations um, through an excommunication, um, that took place, uh, because the main deal with it had to do with the written word and how it was translated. Hmm. It was translated this way. I don't agree with that translation. I'm translating this way. I don't agree with that translation. We see and a lot of that dividing. already emerging right? in the astrological community. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yes, 100%. 100%. Well, you, you actually, too, <clears throat> in, at least here in the United States, even from the conservative realm. Now, now when I say conservative, this can be broken down in different ways. There's the old school American conservative. There's the new there's the neoconservative, whatever, but a lot of what they do, whether they believe it or not, had always have had a religious undertone into what they do together as a party or in yeah. groups. And even I, I, even now you're seeing certain types of factions within the conservative party that are like, aren't so extreme and they're actually in a one way, have their way of following the word of the Bible and how they take their actions. And then you have the more extremist views that we've seen here in the United States, especially come up in the last five or six years, where they're in the forefront showing that the Bible is means this. And the actions that they're taking are really extremist and alienating and, and deal with violence, actually, and using anything in a sense to to back up we'll do whatever it takes because the bible says this and we believe that and there's other people in the conservative party that actually don't think about it they're taking a different view and then you could step out of just conservative party of people dealing with religion and whether it being catholic in this country and the other parts of the religion how they deal with humanity and humanity's troubles so you have a part of them that take the one route of like this person is hurting, we take care of them. They're houseless, we take care of them. You got another part that's calling the Bible saying they need to get, they're houseless, they're this and this, let's eliminate them. They're using those words. They're using those words when it comes to to queer people, to trans people, to anything that is against their view. So so anyway, I just wanna say, even, and I think we're gonna see this more in the United States where people religious people are actually going to be they're already doing it on the internet but they're actually going to be fisticuffs because of like what the bible says and what the word is and what it means and they're going to say no it means this and they're going to say it means that and not only that and i'll be done with this there's a shit ton of cash in the middle oh yeah you know i we're looking at what okay he 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 rebelled against the church because of Anne Boland. She must have been beautiful because he's I'll do anything. But I don't think it's just that, you know. And I think even with the separation with the Orthodox Church, there is a ton of assets and there's a ton of money and power that's involved too, besides the philosophical end of things, you know. So I, I actually see it playing out now. I know within the United States, and I think it's going to be a major focal point um, 
I'm sort of predicting here, but to go back to how we started talking about this, about the schism and, and separation within religion. So, yeah, I think that's also, and it, it's a bigger story than just Pluto and Aquarius. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It probably, probably is, probably oh, yeah. is. Just like division in religion. I mean, it's basically yeah. what creates war. <laughs> It yep. is, but it's interesting how these the particular divisions, at least under the Christianity side of things, um, seem to have taken place during these, you know, of course, other things are going on. Of course, other, and there's always yeah. these big switches with the Pope, too. So, you know, keep a, keep an eye on what the Pope's doing, because there was another period where the um, the uh, the Pope uh, during Pluto and Aquarius moved to uh, France and started the whole uh, Pope in France rule during that time. And so there's always these major kind of switches and, and threats and divisions and, and, um, even, uh, Mohammed, you know, the prophet was born, uh, in 570 or 571, which was under Pluto and Aquarius too. So here we have this kind of Pluto and Aquarius person that builds this other faction, of religion. Um, so there's, a, there's a lot of juicy religious stuff, uh, that seems to come up. So we'll, we'll touch on that later, I guess, but let's get into some of the things that we've already kind of been precursoring about. Um, cause we're in the changeover period, right? We've talked about this earlier of Pluto going in and out of Capricorn and Aquarius in 2023 and 2024. Um, and so we can dive a little bit more into the, the themes that are popping up in our collective right now. And of course, one of the major ones that, uh, seems to be taking play is, um, artificial intelligence, right? Everybody talking about AI, whether it's art, whether it's this chat GPT that is writing copy <laughs> for everyone. Um, people scared of artificial intelligence, other people fascinated by it and think it's the answer for everything. What What are your thoughts, people? <laughs> what are your real thoughts? <laughs> Actually, this isn't real me. This isn't real me. This is my avatar. <laughs> yeah. Everything I've said today has been, was put in the chat GPT. <laughs> So, yeah, when, meeting... it com when it comes to technology and stuff, I think, again, there's this overlapping with the air period we've just entered. And that's something, obviously, I didn't have time to do today. But looking at the previous Pluto and Aquarius period that were not necessarily happening during air periods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. the, the advent of artificial intelligence, the virtual world, all this, I think that's symptomatic of the air period since the 80s, like the sort of first conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter. Um, if anything, I think to go back to what Nicholas was saying earlier, <clears throat> it's more about kind of starting to witness the corruption and sort of the entrapment of these platforms. And the thing with Pluto also, there's this kind of black and white thinking with Pluto. So mm -hmm. these platforms are engineered. Like I, when I say platform, I just mean like any social media, any places that we interact because that's become like the collective discourse is happening you know nobody is can escape it now really um <clears throat> but they're engineered to polarize to keep us engaged so this polarization even religious or political polarization and stuff that's happening because these platforms are engineered that way so but as people start to realize how much of a hold they have on their consciousness and like i bought an app to block my app so that I can work because I'm so compulsively checking all of my message that I can't work 
And this is not something that I can actually control. I had to buy an app to block and I block it and I, I can't actually unblock it. It's just blocked. And I put a timer because otherwise I can't function. I, I can't function. And I'm sure, and I'm, I existed before social media. So all of the younger generation who exists within the social media don't know anything else. Like how compulsively attached are they to their apps and their platforms and their messaging? I, you said a lot there. <laughs> Interesting because you're using artificial intelligence to help you separate I'm not yeah. saying it's completely AI, but you need an app, right? Okay, there's that's yeah. one interesting element. The other thing is you have a generation who doesn't know. How do you know when you're hypnotized? Yeah. How do you know when you're seduced? You don't know. You know, I, I, I and I use hypnotize and seduction because it's Pluto. There's that other side of Pluto. The obsession, the seduction, the hypnotize. You ever run into a Pluto person or have a Pluto experience with something or someone? You only know it after what really, you know, you're, you're every into, day. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. living it every day. <laughs> yeah. I think all three of us know this. Yeah. So if we, if we were to talk about like a certain generation, you don't know, you don't know what something else was and you don't know that you're seduced and, and it's just artificial intelligence. That's what they're calling it. It's just normal. It's it's normal, right? Or it's becoming normal. Absolutely. And that's yeah. part of the opera we're in. And the op opening act, I think, is our, it's kind of the merging of our consciousness with artificial intelligence, which is happening under Pluto and Aquarius. Yeah. Which supposedly, okay, you enter in the query into some chat app or whatever this is, and it's pretty much compiling mentioned this earlier, different compiling of thing. It's compiling everything we've done as human beings on the internet that's on there and it's compiling it and doing it and it's outputting. In a sense, we have fed this. It's, it comes from us. Yeah. It's not fake, fake. It is, but it does come from us. Yeah. Right? So let's just be real about what that is. But as for the... um, I'm trying to be objective here about my opinions about this, but it's... <laughs> I, I think part of what this opening salvo of the opera that we're talking about is this integration and how seducing that it is because it saves us time. It, it could do this for us. It can do that. But if we think about why we need something like this to give us the break with time, because supposedly we don't have any, it's almost in the sense of like, what's the byproduct then? Do, is it because so we can get back to being more in tune with our organic selves and use time that way, the way we used to be? Or does the byproduct, we even separate it even more because we don't even want to lift a finger to do anything because some AI model or a chat thing is going to do it for you, right? And I think that's part of what's happening and what will happen. It's like, which way do you go? Not to make it so binary and polarized, but it kind of is that way. It's like, which way does it go? Or what does <clears throat> one choose? What path yeah. do they choose? You know? And Pluto and has an initiate initiatory quality. So we're being initiated into these. Yep. Well, and I think you brought up a really good point, Nicholas, about the fact that we've fed it. We yeah. are the artificial intelligence, right? Because we're only at the point of artificial intelligence right now that's known as like narrow AI. And that's what we have kind of programmed into it versus general AI is, which is what they're going for. Or and some people don't even think is even possible to have basically AI consciousness, but we've been feeding it 
if anything, it's telling us a lot about ourselves (laughs) because one of the things with um, like Microsoft put out uh, this, uh, this was like a few years ago, they did like a Twitter um, for an AI bot uh, and they had to shut it down within like 24 hours because it went racist and it was quite saying all these crazy things about Jewish people and like, and, but that's the thing is it was feeding it or for another example of um, one of the big things we used of AI now is going through resumes and, you know, people always say like, do this to your resume or make it like this or stand out there. You don't want to stand out because you're going through an algorithm that's picking out things and they're noticing that they're picking out certain people because that's deemed more, you know, um, what they're looking for or what the, and it's not fair, you know, and that's, but it's trying to make things easier. Right. Who wants to look at 5 million resumes that come in? You know, let's get a, let's get a bot to do that because it's supposed to make our lives better. Same with the algorithm, right? Throw it in the algorithm. You give people what they really want to see. You're making their life better. But are we making our lives better is is the question here in my mind, because it's all under the facade of that. And the same with AI just in general. You think of things like the open AI and how that company started a handful of years ago. And the whole thing was, this is an open system. We're doing this for the people. We don't have we all only have the good of humanity at you know, this is a nonprofit. Well, it didn't be, it became a for-profit. It changed this, it's done this. And it's like, went from this Aquarian ideal of like, this is for everyone to being like, no, we're going to monopolize on this. We're going to partner with bigger power, uh, you know, companies. And, and then it's starting to create these problems. Like, you know, LED made a joke at the very beginning about the deep fake <laughs> and where that could take us. Um, so anyways. Well, if we frame the next 20 years of Pluto and Aquarius and we talk to each other in 20 years, we'll be definitely, all of this will be integrated in our experience. Artificial yeah. intelligence, implants, like all of it. The technology is just going to accel- accelerate and it will be integrated in 2000, if we had said you're going to spend most of your days looking at a screen online, you're going to make your money online, we would have been like, not me. I kind of like, like, I'm a tactile person. You know, I like doing things with my hands. Like, I'm totally like in my space. I like create. But look at that 20 years later, here we are. Like, we're just moving deeper. So I personally, yeah, I think the, I think it's just going to accelerate more and in 20 years from now, this will just be completely integrated. So do we just accept the Borg and, and <laughs> basically turn in, like let ourselves in the algorithm? The reason why I'm saying this is, is because I think a big part of what's happening, and I think I'm making some predictions, but this Pluto and Aquarius, I think there's going to be a rebellion. Me too. I, I think that and I'm going to, I'm personally saying this, like for me, I'm going to write my own captions. When I go on YouTube, I ain't BSing anybody. And I, because I can't help but meet me. Like, and plus I got a bunch of Aquarius in my chart, the top of my chart. I see something that everybody's going to be doing. I might put my foot in the water, then I'm going to put a big F you out of it and go the other way. So I don't think I'm the only one. I actually think that. There is going to be an organic movement, 
a movement that has to do with basic core human sensual or sense stuff. Part of it's sensual, hopefully. It's used that way. <laughs> but I mean, getting back to our core, who we are organically, and and it will be shunned upon. It, it will be whatever. But I don't think, I, I think there's going to be a crop of people, and I'm one of them, that is going to find ourselves rebelling towards a full-on integration with what we're talking about AI here. Well, in Saturn and Taurus. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I think it's what we're seeing in Taurus. It's kind of like the anti, you know, and the reintegration also of the earth element in a more uh, stable way, because we just exited the earth period and the earth period saw the excess of like extraction and hierarchies and stuff. Now we can return to a more, kind of uh, balance relationship with the earth element as we move into the air element. So people are going to seek the earth element as a pushback. So I Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you, but I do think that there's going to continue to be this, this trajectory with technology, but it's going to force people to, to find these like really grounded, sensual, earthy experiences. Cause the other thing, and I always, I'm obsessed with this, it hasn't been that long that we have electricity as a human mm-hmm. people and being exposed to this type of light. So it's going to change our physiology. It's changing our, it's changing us physiologically. We take for granted this, but it's only been 200 years, not even. <clears throat> and so the impact of being exposed to artificial light constantly and not being mm-hmm. in the circadian rhythm of the sun and moon is so major in human evolution that we're probably transforming So to be able to just return to our own circadian rhythm, that's why I put in the app on my phone. I'm waking up, I'm exposing myself to daylight. I'm trying to retain a little bit of autonomy on my own circadian rhythm, which is all the tourist stuff, you know? It's the autonomy you're talking about. Sun and moon, circadian rhythms, uh, hormones that are getting way thrown off because of yeah. all that stuff, what's happening with human beings. I Listen, we wouldn't have certain things if it wasn't for technology, good things. And here we are in the premise too of something we're talking about AI and certain things because we found ourselves here. Somebody initially did it for, it was open to everybody. When the World Wide Web, as we call it, started in the early 90s, it was open to everybody. There wasn't any corporate influence. There isn't, wasn't any control. The intentions are good. Here we are again in this podcast talking about something for the whole with an idea that was idealistic, that was future-oriented, that was progressively to bring us something good for all of us, where then those things have been manipulated and controlled. And you cannot help but that's what parts of human society does. People will do that for control or whatever. And so, yes, I don't think it's inevitable the integration that's happening. It's who's pulling the levers. And does anybody want to still keep living where someone's pulling the levers for you all the time? Yeah. I, and I, don't, I, I, I It's a thing where I think that type of realization is part of a transit like this. Now, do you turn it on its head? Do you turn the technology and the things that have been there that is inevitable? That's why I said beginning, we do just, do we just completely submit to it? I'm saying no, but do you use it? And can you, Turn it on its head and can people for themselves and as a community turn it on its head for the good, for where it's not completely based on capitalism, where it decimates 
things middle class is already decimated the the uh, people are going to be losing jobs because of chat gpt yeah. people who used to be well, photographers who used to create things lost their jobs because of photoshop they they it's just inevitable what happens and then you know humans they they morph and mutate and they find ways to keep going but when you start to get affected physically in your mind is it of benefit and i think that's the question like that that is the thing but i'm I, i'm listen i'm of the philosophy and i think a lot of other people out there true knowledge true knowledge insight intuition everything is that sun and moon and your connection to it well i think i think elodie brought up a really good point and we're all riffing on it right now because <clears throat> what does pluto do it exposes what does it expose toxic byproducts you know yeah. and i think that that is the a big theme that's going to come up here with everything that you just talked about, Nicholas, everything that Elodie just talked about, you know, the toxic byproduct of all this. Yeah. Like the advancement and like advancement for the sake of what, because we're still, you know, biological creatures that are of the earth. We're, you know, and the circadian rhythm is huge. I've been trying to get mine back in check too, (laughs) you know, just to live a quality life. Yeah, because we're social creature and this is the way we're socializing now, like mostly, you know, even when we're socializing together, everybody's looking at their phone and all that. So that's just part, that's just happening. Um, but just like a positive Aquarian delineation. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, just because earlier I was looking through and I was like, okay, well, corruption of Aquarian themes, like, and the black and white extremes of, of that sign, because that's what Pluto tends to bring and whatever. And, you know, we saw Saturn entered Aquarius. We're all in this together, but were we? No, not at all. And then like uh, cybersecurity, deep fakes, AI, AI robots, it's all problematic. Like in LA, there's a huge protest coming up for those robots that are going to be using, like the police are using. For the police, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, we're getting whiff of that Pluto and Aquarius and people rebelling. So that's good. Um, positive Aquarian Pluto and Aquarius delineation, I think better redistribution of wealth, hopefully, um, you know, the, the end of hierarchical structure and like the awareness of wealth inequalities, but then people doing things, it becomes intolerable and, um, perceived negatively in the general population. Like mostly everybody's aware of it, which makes, uh, structures collapse. So that's not, that's a plutonic experience. When I say this, we're all excited. We're like, yeah, you know, like the system needs to go. That's the implication of this are major. Like the healthcare system here in Canada is free, but you know, you can't get in to see a doctor unless you have, like, if you have money, you can just pay private and go. But like, I take an appointment with my doctor for a CAT scan in last September, and I still haven't received an appointment. So, oh, wow. you know, it's free healthcare system, but the, all of these big structures, people are just milking it. Everybody that works in these like big structures are just like taking as much cash as they want. Like the, you know, the government, the corruption at the government <laughs> level is so big. Makes Nobody has of. responsibility. And I, I do think the collapsing of these structure, the implications are, are super huge. Like, obviously, because then it's chaos, right? Like, then it's just a free-for-all. It's just, there's no, like, health, if there's no healthcare system, you have to take your health into your own hands. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you really have to. And that the implications of that, and you see that on Instagram, people are just like, 
do this, do that, take this pill, blah, 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 you know? Um, Because we're aware, like COVID just made us aware that like we can't rely on a system. We have to take our health in our own hands. Uh, Absolutely. But this is like positive. You know, well, (laughs) once again, it's bringing us back to a sense of autonomy. Yeah. Right. The autonomy versus being, uh, you know, in, embedded in the system or having to abide by the system, especially if the system doesn't work, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's the thing is like, are you just going to lay down and die because you can't get an appointment? No, you have to find other ways. You got to go back to traditional and folk trade with others know. and create exactly. smaller communities and Back to the community element and the power of the, of who's close to you, um, there. And I think even just you talking about like the bigger government structures and like, you know, switching the slide to thinking about big tech and their power monopolies, Mm -hmm. but any power monopoly, it doesn't even have to be big tech. I mean, big tech's huge, obviously Facebook, Amazon, Google, um, but also the government within that and these systems that are, just running off power and money and greed and not, you know, they've gotten so big within themselves that how is that helping the, the, uh, the populace? Um, how's that helping the earth? How is that? Is it really better for everyone or is it better just for a few? Um, and I think that's a, that's a big piece that well, will we talk step about climate attack. Yeah, we talk about climate change and all this and switching to like electric cars, but lithium batteries are and just batteries in general for solar system or or wind power are as problematic because the extraction of minerals comes from third world countries. These batteries have a 10 year life and then they're disposed. Um, So it's not more ecological. So what's the incentive there? You know, Um, they, you know, it's yes, the. Like the small people can make the change, but if the corporation don't make the change, then, you know, I bought tamarind pods at the grocery store here in the middle of March in Newfoundland in the North Atlantic. Why am I getting tamarind pods here? Like, why is there tamarind at the grocery store in in the middle of winter in Newfoundland? I don't understand. You know, it's, and I have no power. I mean, I cannot consume the product, but the product's coming here and it's going to end up in the garbage. Argentine, Argentinian shrimps are coming here and they're probably going to end up in the garbage because they're 50% off and then expire in garbage. That these, these, like these structures are huge. It's not like. Because we can't want everything all the time, at the same time, all around the year, because we're, we like, there's an entitlement, <laughs> you know, just as people. And it doesn't matter who, what, you know, if you're at the very top of the the food chain or at the bottom, there's this, we have lived this life, you know, because of globalization and, and trade and all that, where we think that we can have everything at any time of year from any portion of the world. And I think, you know, I've really never thought about it, Elodie, but you bring up a, a, a great point. Like, what good does that do? And why or do we feel entitled to have to be able to, or maybe we don't even feel it's like someone's like, oh, we can sell it to them, you know? And so we're going to ship it around. And But that's what I'm wondering in terms of like power to the people and the Aquarian sort of uh, archetype is like people realizing that maybe smaller scale communities are more helpful and building smaller structure as these bigger structures collapse. Because 
I don't think it's it's not sustainable. Even Amazon right now, I think, is not delivering. It's kind of going down to a certain extent. So well, it's um, not working. The algorithm, the algorithm, has pushed things to a certain point where you think things are efficient, or you're sourcing food from somewhere else, and it's supposedly it's because it's cheaper, and so on and so forth, but. The algorithm doesn't know the, the the it knows logistically, technically what's going on, but the actual physical form of doing things and what the impact is on communities, yes. it, it's not sustainable. It seems like it's more efficient, it's more cheap, it's more easy, blah, blah, blah. Thanks, algorithm. Thanks, technology. Thanks, blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't necessarily, the byproduct is there. Now, I'm a believer of the solution of like local reinforcement you know, and people, communities, people have to come to realizations of this, of like how they deal with their neighbors and community. And they have, they have to take the step past of like, well, it's going to cost double if we do it that way. Mm -hmm. And so no one's going to take the step to do it with the communities because they can get it for 50% cheaper. But is it really of cheap? Is it really of worth? Like, are you really getting the deal? Because you might be getting a deal, but the byproduct of it is, is destroying local communities, local businesses, how people interact physically. And again, we're coming towards, we're going back to a play, a thing of like dealing with organic, uh, uh, organic interaction and what happens there. So, um, I, I it's anyway, we're, you got to slide up here cause we're talking big tech's power monopolies. Um, you know, and I see Amazon, Facebook, Google, but it it's in everything. It's in shipping, shipping routes all over the world to to a dependence on China to do certain things. This is a, the whole world. So anyway, um, so yeah, it, it's a it, it's an interesting thing, and I'm just coming from the point of view to for anyone listening and watching that to try to to take an alternative view of looking at what has become normal and what's become better for you and more efficient because of technology, but to try to step out and look at what's it affect, how it affects you personally so you can make a call for yourself on whether this is sustainable for you. And if you see things that are not sustainable and it's because of something was 50% cheaper or because something came, it was faster, it happened faster or so-called easier, just take a step and look at that because really in the end, it's not easier. Not, 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 not to me, that's a personal opinion, but these are the types of things I think uh, uh, that happen with when you're hypnotized or you're seduced in a certain way. Like we're talking about Pluto and Aquarius, but wherever Pluto goes and wherever Pluto interacts, eventually there is a moment where something bursts, where, where something that's been festering for so long completely like a dam breaks and, and everyone's going to have this moment in the Aquarius part of their chart with Pluto going through there at some point, but as for the world and as for communities and culture, I, it's, it's, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. Um, positive thing, positive thing is we have to remember with Pluto when we talk here about the power that can be reclaimed for yourself or for a group of people. That's part of the process if we were to follow the path through the underworld and let go of something that is 
gave us power before, but is not working anymore. And going through that death and rebirth process, if we do that as a person or as a culture, or as a group, what comes out of that is something no other planet, no other circumstance could bring. It's only the circumstance that Pluto brings. And it's true regeneration, which is, to me, true power. So Yeah, um, well said. That's yeah. like, it's true. Pluto can show us where we're stuck, you know? And I think we're, like I was saying at the beginning, I think we're kind of stuck in these these virtual infrastructure and that's hopefully going to kind of mutate into other things. Yeah, because obviously that's kind of (laughs) what we were talking about with the whole impact of uh, social media and the the virtual structure. And um, thinking about, I like this slide just because it said, talking about the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial and someone did a video on how social media changes your mind. Right. You know, cause that's a big thing with uh, just Aquarius in general and all these Aquarian transits is this, the whole collective thought process that goes in to, you know, all of this and where, where we're at with it, who's controlling it. You know, there's a, this whole idea of like brainwashing overtly or covertly <laughs> but it's mostly the algorithm now that's kind of controlling but the algorithm is still programmed but programmed by humans but it the algorithm controls much of the the, uh, the cultural obsession that we have if if we were if we didn't have the algorithm and computers and some of us know this because we lived without this because yeah. I think I think us here come from a generation of the overlap that happened between analog and digital. So let's just have a scenario here where we don't have what we have now, no phones, no emails, nothing like that. And we were we went to the huge public square of where we lived. And there was something major going down. And we were all there and we were, in a sense, interacting with a certain situation. Let's just say there was a trial going on. You brought up the Amber Heard thing and the Johnny Depp thing. So let's just say it was happening in that sense without the technology. You know, what are humans doing in that area observing the trial? Humans, herd mentality, biggest percentage, they're going to start taking sides. It, it, it's inevitable what humans do. And then they take sides and then what they do once they take a side. They, they, they're, they're interacting. They're, they're, no, this person's right. No, this, this is right, blah, blah, blah. And there's judgment calls being made. And so in a sense, that's there's some forms of collective thought going on there. So as human beings, we've always had, we do this. This is what we do. But like, what do we do when we get to a certain point of a so-called decision or judgment being made? You know, is it done by consensus or is it eventually done with someone who represents you, represents your crew, your space, and then they get together we can look at a trial as a jury, right? That's supposedly representing different groups of people. And then they eventually, after weighing everything out on the different sides, they make the judgment, they make the call, right? It, it's just an overview of what humans do without the technology. So then we're going to bring in technology and what's happened with, with this Amber Heard thing and TikTok. I, I'm not picking sides here, but they definitely see how the making the call or the judgment didn't happen. It happened formally in the courtroom, but let's be real. It was 
fully influenced by the algorithm and what people were saying and doing. Now, if we're in that town square and I'm walking there, let's say I'm Hermes in a certain way and I know what I want to get and what I want. I know how to change the message to two people in that crowd and they will repeat the message back and it can be completely false, whatever. But I just manipulated the message to get the result that I wanted. And that's what human beings do too. So this Amber Heard thing, TikTok, the whole deal, the thing, that's what goes on. That That's the deal. And it's like, can something there is not working. Like it, it doesn't work and it becomes detrimental to then or supposedly being and progressing as human beings. But again, I, I sort of went on a, you know, tangential thing about collective thought. But again, it comes back to like, who is pushing the buttons? Who is creating the space where the collective thought is, is put into place? Because they're, they're manipulating it. So is there true, is there true collective decision-making and collective thought? I, I think this is part of what's going to happen uh, in this transit is to see what that really means. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, things went off on the well, thing. There, example, well, there's but, power in the collective yeah. thought, right? And there's, yeah. there's a, there's ability on positive side to change that, you know, like if we can get a majority of us on a certain wavelength, like there's, you know, they, they talk about that all the time, not they talk about that all the time, but yeah, like the having, you know, a million people meditate on something at the same time, right? Like the power. Yeah, you could have world peace if we could just get everybody to get their minds on the same um, wavelength, which I, I don't know if I completely subscribe to, but, you know, like there is, there's just power in that. So where are we at? And that, most and most people don't really want to think for themselves anyway. And I'm sorry true. to say that, but it's true. And we all think that uh, it's other people, but we're all part of that for different things. Mm -hmm. um, and so in a sense, when we're being passively sort of, when we're passively ingesting information, even if you don't agree, it's still, a, it's still having an impact sub, uh, subconsciously unconsciously. And so, you know, talking about the unconscious, because that's what a lot of, the more modern takes on Pluto, um, you know, well, when Pluto emerged was the emergence of psychology also. Mm -hmm. It's like what is simmering in the collective unconscious ready to emerge in relation to, to like all of that, like that technology meme culture, like TikTok, all of the, you know, the five, six hours spent scrolling a day. <laughs> Life, Ugh. life passing by, not enough time. Uh, just like hooked on uh, dopamine and all of that stuff, you know. So I, I do think those are going to become like collective conversation. In yeah, the and you, I think you would hope for that. Actually, I think to go back to an example. I mean, you gave the example like, what if we collectively meditated? Okay, you know that's coming out of the '60s and '70s, really. But <laughs> but there ain't nothing wrong with thinking that or wanting that. And I, I, and I, I think part of this is, is it's inevitable. This collective thought has always been there and we got the technology, which is inevitable. It's like, but still, I think human beings an individual and human beings can make choices more than ever. It's obvious to make a choice and the intention about what to do collectively. And again, 
the I think there is a mind revolution happening in will, and it has to do with the connection of mind into heart. It doesn't stay into mind. I am the most cynical person you can run into some of these days, but I'm basically saying that it's to have out there to have to use a transit like this to have hope and and to look for ingenious ways to to do things collectively to make the shifts to make the attempts. Maybe we don't see them immediately, but when your back is against the wall and you have nothing else, just like in those revolutionary times we talked about with France, the United States, the Haitian Revolution, that's where it gets to. It gets to these places. But can you make the connection and take your mind higher level and bring it back to your heart? And I, I'm a believer of this. If you come back to your heart, you're thinking for the good in general. Like you, you want to be in a good, loving space. You know, so... I just want to let people know don't don't give that self give that part to yourself that is not going away don't let it ever go away and that is a huge influence on collective thought and even if we were to use technology like we're doing right now what we do together we can't alter things we can make the change so you know I, we've been talking deep and dark about social media and technology this whole time but maybe we can use it to our advantage and really do something that's the hopeful part of this podcast for me. Yep. I, I just thought I'd <laughs> do that thing. That, you know, it, it, since we started talking about this, you know, what we do. Is I love this, that because it's the part of the Leo. It's the Leo. That's it's the opposite, right? Exactly what I was going to say. <clears throat> the heart is coming from the polarity of Aquarius. But it reminds me also of uh, the Wizard of Oz, like the, mm -hmm. what is the name? The I cowardly don't know. Lion. The, the Cowardly Lion. But they're also the the steel man that's looking for the, uh, oh the tin man for the heart the tin man yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh yeah that's like, right I know why did we both go to the line oh because we were talking about Leo <laughs> yes but you're right the tin man it's like yeah, a robotic the tin, tin man, man the with cold yeah. tin man just rusty that's really, actually I like where we ended up here because I as a practitioner as an astrologer is always looking at polarity points the opposite sign so you know uh, if if we were to do that a little bit here and actually I think we get a little hint of it actually even though Pluto goes retrograde there we have a Venus retrograde that's going to happen in June and pretty much go on in the fall that's going to be hitting the other fixed signs but, but just saying that you know the warmth and the generosity and the creative power that Leo has, where things stem from the sun, from the core, from the will, doesn't not does not have to be separated. And you know, is it? I think an integral part of a Pluto and Aquarius transit. We, it's good that we got here because we can't forget that as to balance things out, to to weigh things out, to to even in the sense if we were looking for an alternative situation when we thought we were being alternative and progressive in our Aquarius ways, that actually the one we forgot about, the space we forgot about was to go to the Leo place, you know, to balance things out. And so um, and to go back to the thing of like stemming or standing in one's heart. It's, it's so good. I love that. Well, and I think it's also perfect when we were just talking about Copernicus earlier and how under mm -hmm. a solar eclipse conjunct Pluto, you know, with the South Node in Leo at that time. And it literally brought us to be like, oh, you know what? This whole thing centers, the centers around the sun, <laughs> centers around the heart, yeah. centers mm -hmm. around the light and the emanation and the consciousness. And, you know, don't forget that. Because and if Nicholas, you do, 
<laughs> yeah. Yes. Nicholas, you have a south node in in Leo and north node in Aquarius. And yeah, don't I have, you? I have I the do. south node in Aquarius and north node in Leo. So we have similar lessons. <laughs> we do. Okay. We do. But, We're t- I, I started with alienation and going off grid 20 years ago. I, I continue doing the Aquarian thing, but I'm moving into my heart slowly. <laughs> I, I know you got a heart in there, Lily. It's I, warming I know up. It's, it's starting to beat a little faster. It's pumping but it's that blood. true. There's, there's such a, you know, obviously having the nodes informs my, my perspe- perspective mm-hmm. of Aquarius Leo, but there is this kind of, Feeling so alienated, and that's the Aquarian stuff, and we've seen it with Saturn Aquarius, feeling so alienated and fed up and just like, I can't deal with humanity. We've seen everybody do this in the last two years. And then people coming together and feeling so uh, warm-hearted, like when things started to open up again and people started like spending time again together and just like, what is the most important thing? What matters, you know? It's the connection. connection to each other. Yes. Yeah. Because they're 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 it's part of it, right? The heart, what if the heart pumped and pumped, but it had no arteries, nowhere to send the blood, you know, yeah. like yeah. there's this system of connection that, you know, and then if we're starved from it, we uh it gets a little drastic out there. And so I this got ties into like what we were talking about with social media and kind of feeling low and a little alienated and where it gets us. So right, we're at the start of this. So I mean, I'm just gonna cycle through just a few more slides. We'll go a little faster here because I know mm-hmm. we're getting a little uh long on time. Uh, we already talked about the religious influence of from the past and seeing like the different breaks there and power structures within religion. Of course, you know, religion a thousand years ago was way more powerful than it is today, but is it, (laughs) is it really like, it drives a lot of things under the, under the belly and under the underlying, you know, we don't see it as much, but if that's not Pluto, I don't know what is right. Who's Mm -hmm. pulling the strings underneath. And we see it like, you know, the, the NPR's main headline today was about like abortion pills being taken away because, you know, just things like that. Cause what is, what is the church love to get interfere with science, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be a big theme um, more and more. It's going to come you, up and we'll see, see it. Some... You see it in, in, in the war that's going on between uh, Russia and Ukraine. Uh, Russia has got a, a deep connection to the religion there and they use it. As a, as a premise to why so on and so forth to, to attack there, you have a, a major things have been brewing up for a long time in India between, you know, fa- religious factions there. You, you have it in the United States, like I mentioned, it's in Turkey. Turkey's been building on a certain type of religious outlook, whether they're truly there, but using it to, to hold control and, you know, you go on and on with this stuff. But um, yeah, we should go, I guess we should go Yeah. Yeah, but just yep. saying, there's there's that we'll probably see more of that theme. Yeah. Um, we talked about this a little bit too with the class structures and saving the middle class, um, which was cre- created back in the, the last Pluto in Aquarius transit and mm-hmm. that division of wealth um, and a reason for us to come together, right? Because who is the biggest um, point of the populace is the varying levels of the middle class, you know, power in numbers. So, uh, I think that wealth discrepancy that we were talking about earlier with, um, the big power plays and, and what LED started out the conversation is when we're talking about Jupiter and Pluto with the wealth and wealth, wealth yeah. gap. Yeah. 
So I think this is going to be big mm. is the weather changes, the atmosphere in general. You know, what is what is static that is always above us? <laughs> the atmosphere. It's very uh, fixed air to me. Air quality. Um, you know, it's Aquarius is, is known as the coldest sign uh, in the Zodiac. And a lot of times when there's big Aquarius activations, we get like extreme cold, which we wouldn't think, you know, with the global warming and everything's getting hotter and maybe there'll be just more of a, um, polarity between like the heat of the Leo summer and the, the icy cold of the, of the Aquarian winter. Um, but I feel like that's pretty, dramatic for like air flows and atmosphere. I don't know if anybody else agrees. I Well, I think too, part of this is first of all, whether someone agrees that things are changing or not, <laughs> you have people who definitely believe that there's things changing climate wise. And yet people who are not, they deny it. Um, I, so there's that. And I think that's going to play out a little bit more. Um, but there, there is something happening. And I, I mean, when you see Southern California get dusted with snow, like it did last week in certain ways, multiple ways, people know this in different parts of the world. They, they know something's changing or has been changing. So I, I personally think that this issue of climate change is actually needs to get a little bit worse, but I actually think it's going to get better. And my reason is, is that the people who have been denying it are going to find a way that them and who their crew is a money-making opportunity. (laughs) And I actually think that they'll get on board slowly with changing or whether it's through regulation, uh, certain things, laws that get passed through where certain corporations had to adhere to certain things. The only, whether they're going to adhere to it or not, that's part of it. The other part of it is certain people in power and corporations are going to realize a new avenue of money to be made and they will walk that way. And all of a sudden they're on board with something. <laughs> Got to make that home. money, Nicholas. Well, that's the only thing that change. It's already yeah. happening. Like the push to go to electric cars and things yeah. like that yep. and smart cities and things. But what I was getting at earlier is I don't think that's a solution. Personally, mm, no. I do not think that's a solution. <laughs> my, my partner has a solar, uh, solar business company and the, the waste for the, from the batteries, they don't know how to dispose from these batteries that have a 10-year lifespan. And also the lithium and all the components for these batteries are being mined by children in Africa, you know? So is it, is it really truly better? I don't think so. We're just constantly being hammered that that's a better solution. I personally absolutely do not think it's a better, although I've been on solar panel and off grid for 20 years. So I, I kind of know what I'm talking about, but um, I don't personally think it's, I mean, autonomy, autonomy, produ- producing electricity autonomously is better than relying on the grid. That's not realistic because there's a lot of people that are not in that they're not, they can't, but I don't know that switching from like, you know, um, what we're doing now to, uh, like, what are we going to do with all these batteries? Yeah. yeah. The, the extraction of them, what happens in Bolivia and South America and Africa, exactly. what's been happening. Exactly. And also the Chinese government has been huge 
and investment in Africa. They're building roads and doing stuff to have access to land to extract all these precious minerals. Uh-huh. And, the, and the byproduct of this is pretty nasty. I yes. mean, we don't hear about it. Lately. No. Okay, I don't want to stay too negative, but if, if we were thinking about this transit of what it is, you know, again, I'm going to bring a little bit of, somewhat a little bit of a hope is like, you know, what is going to be a type of thing that can come in and not produce the nasty and not have the byproduct, even though on the facade, it looks like it's better than coal, right? For an example, <laughs> right? So there's judgment calls that need to be made. But I, I hopefully we have several things that happen during this transit. Like it's happened in the past with Pluto and Aquarius stuff of that sourcing of information or those uh, maps and trade routes that happen, the, the construction of some of those things to make the world keep going in a certain way. I don't think everything, anything's ever perfect. There's always going to be byproduct, but can can something weigh a little bit more on the upper positive end of things than super poison? And Super poison. Yeah, but it's like you get to a point though how how can the world or culture and society avoid poison and corruption? You can only avoid it so long when it actually starts to affect your physical body, affect how crops are being grown, um, everything else. It's like something has to shift. If not, I mean, we're talking about the ultimate Plutonian story, but something has to shift. If something isn't discovered or invented, which I think is that's where one places the hope, I think it goes back into like how we interact with our local worlds, our local communities, and 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 realize that you can get by and do things and not have it have a certain type of poisonous byproduct. Minimalism. You know? <laughs> yeah. But that's why I was saying earlier, the structures that hold all of this society together, as they continue to collapse, people will realize when they don't have electricity because of an ice storm for a week, more and more people will realize they can't rely on the structure. They can't rely on the healthcare. They can't rely on the electricity, on the food system. And then you have to return to basic. You really do. And you have to make choices. What is it that I need? What is it that I want? But when you do that, also the inequality of wealth is a lot more obvious because every like people that have wealth, nature becomes accessible and everybody else don't have access to nature. And 20 years ago, when I moved to the woods, <clears throat> I knew very well that nature was going to become a privilege for the rich. And we'll, we see that already happening. And so people, even if, you know, even if self-sufficiency is super appealing, most people are not in that position to do that. They're struggling in yeah. the cities and they're dependent on these really these collapsing structure. And we saw like in Michigan, was it that there was an ice storm and like another astrologer Spencer didn't have like heat oh, yeah, or he was, electricity yeah. for like a whole week. And it makes you think you're just like, oh man, like I'm, you know, I'm yeah. dependent on and all that- of these things that as like there's more natural extremes like of weather extremes and all that that's going to continue to happen and that's part of it i think 
Yeah. And I, I think that's an important part because I know, <clears throat> Nicholas, you're like, well, I don't necessarily want to talk. You know, I don't want to keep saying it like this, but I think that's just the nature of Pluto is we have to like expose yeah. and say the taboo thing. And we got to be mm-hmm. like, yeah, they're going over to Africa and doing some really bad stuff that's going to bite the world in the ass later. You know, like if you don't say something, you don't inform people. And yeah, it's not pleasant to listen to. And maybe it, it makes you feel like you don't have any control over, uh, you know, something that bads that's happening that's part of the the dynamics of power and control in pluto but if we don't expose it and we don't reg, you know make it a regular thing to be in knowledge of right you know aquarius then we can't reform it we can't change it we can't do the right thing because it'll always be you know out of view or um so but it's I like think, i want to be positive but i also want to be like honest <laughs> with but the result of these things is that people smaller communities will monopolize and that's the that's what happens that's what we see when when you can't rely on the structure smaller communities forms and help each other and that's the whole positive aspects yep. of aquarius so yeah, but, but but it has to be through initiation pluto brings initiation pluto's about sacrifice sacrificial on a collective level it's you know on a personal level there's an article on astral.com that's great it's been there forever about pluto i think it's uh dana gainhart i can't pronounce her Her name i think yeah but she's like a pluto transit on a personal level pluto puts you on the meat hook and hangs you there and leaves you there and then Pluto comes back and asks you if you're ready to let go of everything that you hold the dearest. And then he leaves again until you're actually ready to do that. You know, obviously this sounds extremely dramatic and we're not talking about natal transits. It's collectively, but obviously collectively there is these realization because it's a slow transit, because it's a 20 year transit. We're not going to see that overnight. It's just yeah. happening. We're, we're moving through a lot of changes like that. And we know that the structures we're in are not sustainable. Whether we see the result of that in our lifetime, our life is too short for outer planet like changes, I think. <laughs> it's true. I mean, how yeah. many Pluto signs do we actually live through? Especially when you start to get to the longer ones, which we saw in the original part of the graph. Like you, you're born during Pluto and Aries or Taurus, you might only see like two or three Pluto signs. Maybe, you know, it's, these are bigger structures. Um, yeah. So, uh, we're going to excuse Nicholas for a second. Why, uh, Elodie and I talk about a little bit about maybe water distribution, you know, cause you think about Aquarius, what's Aquarius doing? It's like, dripping the water. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I started thinking more about like the power of water, right. You know, we can go how many days without eating, but not having clean water, you know, or, you know, and we think about Saturn being in Pisces right now too, I'm sure water will come up. But I, I remember I had a friend whose dad, um, had said in the seventies, he was like, Oh, you want to know where the real power is? And you're going to see this is like the bottled water. People are going to start to be taking the water away from, from people and charging you for water. And I mean, it's yeah, it's um so that was kind of something that kind of came up in my head of like Yeah, interesting. Yeah, especially that Saturn in Pisces will rule like Pluto and Aquarius for a couple of years. So we have Jupiter having kind of the final say also. 
Yeah. So we'll see if there's any movement in the water. It's, it is important. It is the lifeblood (laughs) for, for many, for everyone, planets, our planets, uh, people, animals, everyone, birds. Um, this is actually a big one. We haven't even talked about this at all. Uh, scientific advances, especially like bioengineering and, you know, because obviously we're going to see, yeah, we're going to see some big, technological advances with science. I mean, we have to, right? I mean, we're, I think we're seeing it already. Um, the fact that you can just like send your DNA and just like find your origins very quickly. <laughs> it's very, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, well, and then the funny thing is, is like even those things, cause they're just developing those systems and, um, you know, every time you get like every year, there's like an update and all of a sudden I'm this much more of this and that much. I'm like, okay, which is it? Uh, or there's, you know, I see this all the time on social media where there, there's all these like supposedly easy tests of, um, like, especially with like fertility or with food allergies where it's like, just send us your, your blood or send us this. And we're going to send you this whole thing back. That's super cheap that, you know, you pay all this amount for a doctor and basically they're probably scamming people with this technology that's, you know, supposed to be advanced, um, to get it on the cheap. So it's a, it'll be interesting if more of that's kind of, well, they're sourcing, the reason it's cheap is they're sourcing and compiling information. So I, I think it's it's again it's part of uh, there's a bunch of stuff going on here. There's the there's the profitable data part of it, and then there's the other part of it that is in a sense uh, intentionally from a good place of dealing with healing and 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 dealing with certain things that us as human beings illness wise ailments we want to eliminate whether you know certain genetic things cancer things you know it's it's in us to do that to solve those things to feel better to live longer right so i think it's it's different reasons uh but as for the technology i think it becomes more and more efficient i think what's happening here and we we see it and i don't even get into like vaccines per se thing but as for like what they're doing in the in the biotech world um, and and it's partly because of computers and technology that's created the vessels and the tools for more refinement, more rapidness and calculation yeah. and, and how we we come up with things that would have took a longer period of time study wise. It just happens faster now. And so I actually do see an amazing stuff here that's going to happen when we deal with certain illnesses. You know, is there a one shot thing that a lot of us think about that's going to solve everything? I, 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 I'm not the doctor, I'm not the researcher, but I, I, I do know that we've, like Elodie said, it's already happening. You already see it, you know, uh, again, it, it's, a uh, um, can, the, is the dream I can go and get something replaced in my body. Like someone gets the knee replacement, hip replacements, which have accelerated in the last 20 years of how easy to you go in and out in a day and get a knee replacement, okay? It, it used to be something else before. Now, when we come about deeper medical issues, something that's genetic, blood disorders, uh, certain other things, is it going to be more rapid of the, the solutions more rapid? It takes you two days. You're going to do some, some serious kind of uh, injection blood work, who knows? And you have a recovery time that's fast instead of like two years. I think a lot of times this has to do with how rapid something is implemented. 
and, and then how it integrates in the culture at a cost level, right? So you again, whether you agree COVID vaccines or whatever, it doesn't matter. They were hustling. Human beings were hustling to come up with something. They sure the hell hustled how to make a COVID test. It's super fast. You know, so I don't, this comes back to a thing we were talking earlier about what happens in communities and societies when we're talking about extraction of minerals, all that kind of stuff. In the end, human beings, they do hustle. They do, when, when, they're, when they're put in a certain place in our history, what we do, we always do find a way, right? So I, 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 I want to think positively about something like this with, with science and solutions. Yeah. Like, the only thing I'll say, it's the repetitive thing I'm going to keep saying is, is when certain people are holding the keys to this stuff, that means certain people get the solutions first. Those certain people have the cash and that, that's where things get funky, you know? And so- and or also, is the good of the all? Are they yeah. giving it to everyone? Are they only, are they taking a patent just so that they can like monetize like these advancements, you know, for the, um, uh, cause I, I think that's a big thing. Like what we talk about AI and the ability to research faster and the ability, I mean, even like, like a horrible disease, like my grandma passed recently from Parkinson's and they are now having like these breakthroughs where they're able to actually have earlier detection with Parkinson's by, um, voice and speech and being able to record how someone is talking and being able to pick up on patterns to, as it's progressing and how they can ha move quicker or have different solutions based on these, you know, kind of technological advances with it. So that's a, it's a positive piece, I guess. <laughs> We're going to live eternally. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Death. We're going to come up with a, a solution to advert uh, old Pluto, Pluto, Aging. you can't come from us for us because we we've figured out how to advance the, beyond. The <laughs> other thing that happens with like air period, I think, is the democratization of information. And that's one thing that we see now how information is shared. And it becomes really difficult because there's not one authority that is right, but there's like various source of information. So that's like a whole other thing that's happening i think mm. it's more horizontal mm -hmm. you know like the way information is distributed so like people are all doing their micro research and like academia doesn't mean what it did like 100 years ago or 60 years ago anymore although you know like we place we place value on academia i think because corporation are now involved in academia and they're in they're paying research, so it creates biases. People branch out and do their own research. And so we see the the people kind of also there's like a sort of equalizer again that happens because of internet and the access to information. It creates like a whole bag of pro problems. Yes, <laughs> there's like echo chamber, false news, all of this. Yes, but that's also a sort of like Aquarian principle of you know democratization democratizing information, knowledge, um, all of that stuff. Yeah. I, I, Elodie, I just, the way you did that and said that I is an example of, of just, again, of, of like what humans do or what you can do in certain situations, you know, and when you find other, uh, people that you connect with in certain things and, 
and what the power of group mentality can do, like in a positive sense, you know? And, you know, I, it's interesting because we're talking about scientific advances in bioengineering, but I, as I think we all have seen, and even if you're not an astrologer, you're a tarot card reader or whatever, but we actually have seen its own little mini revolution of what plants and herb, herbal magic can do. It's, it's, we call it magic. It's just is. It, 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 <laughs> yeah. it just is what it is. And I, there's been a resurgence of this. And when we, let's see, when we deal, when we come to healing, that it's actually nothing new. It's, it feels new. We could say trending or whatever, but it, it isn't new. It goes back to our roots. And it has to do with compiling information in a different way from the past and how we do it through lineage and through community. And there is something you can never pray, place a price on that. You, you, you can never do that, especially if it's something that's passed down through tradition. And so, you know, I'm just going off what you said, Elodie, about, you know, when humans, when you branch off, they branch off. We're going to go do this our way. We're going to go do this thing, you know? Yeah. And sometimes you you might do it in a different way or we're in a Pluto Aquarius realm. We're going to do it in a way, in a sense, uh, some sort of tool or structure we're going to use that's sort of new to, to so we can compile information together and come up with something in the lab, our organic lab or whatever you want to call it. But but the base core thing is goes back to the roots. So, you know, I, I feel... I feel positive about something like this, like when we're talking about bioengineering, but at the same time, I, I'm also feeling positive about us people. The, the uh, I don't know what to call us, just the people who don't have the huge bank accounts or that kind of thing. But what we do together as people, what we come up with, we're the, that's why they source us. That's why they want our DNA. That's why chat GPT wants us to keep putting in there because in the, in the end, we are the gold we are the the pure whatever and th that is they need that they need us you know so it's like once you have that realization whatever aspect of this pluto aquarius how we do it once you realize like oh wait a second you know like actually we do have the power we can have this thing mostly you know? with so, consuming i think like consuming yeah. well now it's also with like the way we what we choose to consume i think that's like our biggest power I always say, if everybody decides tomorrow to leave Instagram, what happens? Nothing. Yeah. They're gone. It's gone. Well, yeah. yeah. And we've been saying that forever. It's like where you spend your money is your power. Where you spend your exactly. time and your energy is your power. And but um, monopolizing it, the people together is the hard part. Ex exactly. That's, yeah. that's the hard part, right? Yeah. You know, because we're all individuals at the end of the day. Um, but I think I, I like what you're saying there. Uh, Nicholas about getting back to the roots and the roots of anything. Right. And I, cause I think that's the whole nature of Aquarius as well is like, we keep talking about the system when the system is essentially the infrastructure and we're all living within different levels of infrastructure. Now, of course, here in the United States, it's like one of the big things that's, you know, that has been on the topic of uh, a lot of people's minds in many years, especially the whole Pluto and Capricorn transit was like the infrastructure that is just dying and decaying and roads not, you know, collapsing. We have like how many days of rain here in San Diego? And I can't even tell you how many roads were just destroyed. Like, so I think that this is going to be a chance to um, rebuild in infrastructure just in general. And that can mean roads, 
That can mean like the railways, like another another uh, train crash happened in in the same area as like East Palestine, like two days ago, two in a row in the same area, you know? Yeah. Just this one, what didn't supposedly didn't have toxic matter on it, but it was the same company. It was the same. It was a couple towns down in Springfield, Ohio. And, you know, and people have been saying like that, that those trains and those, those tracks and, you know, so it's just like, I feel like a lot of this stuff is not going to be able to like in city planning, just planning in general, like to get the things that we need to accommodate for people's living quality and water and food and power sources and all that. It's all infrastructure. Um, and who's thinking that up and is what we have incredibly outdated, uh, and in need of reform. Um, you know, since we are like double the population of what we were, you know, not even a hundred years ago, like there's so many more of us these days. I, I could go off on that, but I'm not going to go, <laughs> go there, but that's a, hey, Pluto hasn't been in Aquarius since we've had eight to 9 billion people on the planet either. So a, yeah, you, you, and to uphold eight to nine billion people, you know, that that's a challenge in it in itself. You have a picture in a slide here of freeways and stuff. We know here in the United States that I it's going to be I it's already been sort of a political angle. And I think it will be even more because I when something's inevitable and actually breaking down physically, it's like you can't just avoid it. Yeah. So, you know, uh, <laughs> some of this stuff is is obviously. I actually takes a different way of thinking to how to finance things like this and the restructure. There's the physical part. There's the, and then there's the other part of just how the structure that we use to uh, move in the world. And that has to do with technology too, and thought. And one thing we haven't brought up here, and, you know, I, I know we're at, we're getting close to the end here is decentralization, you know, and, how in whether it's you're talking about cryptocurrency or the sharing of information, but we're talking about infrastructure in a sense that's been being built or trying to be built, you know, and it's like that's the actual online part of it. But how does something like that be integrated into the physical world and where they branch together? And I think. I think this is probably one of the biggest focal points in my mind that's going to happen during this transit is the branching of that. Can uh, uh, decision-making as a collective, financial money-making as a collective, really fall into a model of decentralization where not in a sense one center place is running the show or owning it, where we all have our own, we own a part of it, and we hold the keys to that and someone else doesn't hold the keys for us. And so that goes into actual, you know, to wealth, to resources and wealth and resources and how we make decisions with that affect something in the physical and infrastructure like you have here, the integrity, you know, and, and how we have to come to a place of deciding things. We still have to decide things together. It's just like, is it, does it come from a place where we actually truly have an equal say in the decisions and, and how we, use resources to build infrastructure. So I don't know what y'all think about that, but. <laughs> right, yeah, brought me back to the revolution. <laughs> same, same part. Go ahead, Ellie. Infra yeah, the infrastructure thing makes me think of like how all of the business centers now are empty because everybody's working at home. So they're mm -hmm. in the process of transforming that into like living 
living places because there's short shortage of living space and stuff. But like I know downtown Montreal is like empty, and the problem is that the rats are kind of taking over all these office buildings, you know? And I'm sure it's not just happening in, in Montreal. I'm sure it's happening everywhere. It's just mm -hmm. like people work from home now. So we have to rethink the way we design cities and things like that. And that was kind of like, that came through with like the first conjunction of like the air period sort of, you know? Interesting. So the way we design and think about cities, I think is going to get really changed through the air period and maybe the, Pluto and Aquarius will. Yeah, because Aquarius yeah. is de design strategy. You know, it's it's it, the physical well, changes and the resources. Yeah, let's yeah, do it let's better. Do better. How yeah. are we gonna? You know, build what, back better. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, make the world great again. Um, yeah. yeah, there's because it's true. It's like you can have the resources, you have the you see what's falling apart, but if you don't have a plan. You don't have a strategy that fits where we're at at this point in time, uh, and and not even just this point in time. What we see for ourselves in the future, right? Because there is that. That's the beauty of Aquarius: is how do we step back? How do we see this bigger perspective and 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 uh, have a blueprint gonna, for what's to we come? Might, we might see an excess of that just because it's Pluto too at the beginning. I think like people who want to build these smart cities and like want to impose these design or maybe impose like you were talking about. Um, weather climate change and then people in putting in place like protocols because of climate change so let's say there's going to be time for traveling diminishing traveling air travel road travel like very possibly all of these regulation will come through that will keep us from moving around freely, i have an example right? of that already happening here yeah. in san diego mm -hmm. so one of the big things that's happening in san diego two things there are massive buildings being constructed right now where before you could only build so high in San Diego, but now they've raised the it so that you can build much higher. And so there's all these buildings that are going in into residential neighborhoods that have there. There's no they don't have to build parking into these massive like 100 unit buildings. So they're creating these situations because there's a loophole where they are technically in a transit zone, which San Diego has the worst transit. I mean, we have a bus, we have a trolley that really goes nowhere. Like the, we don't have a good public transportation. But another thing that is big that's happening within the whole entire like city is that they're just going along these major thoroughfares and creating all red curbs. They're just eliminating parking everywhere. And what they're doing is they're creating bike lanes. Right. Yeah. We get people more bike. They're going to in. And first of all, San Diego is big and San Diego has lots of hills. So as much as I would love to have everybody out there biking, a lot of people might not have the mobility to do such. And it's they're just wiping out parking left and right. So, so it's interesting that you say that, Elodie, because well, it's literally over happening. <laughs> that's the smart city programs like you Northern European influenced. Yeah, um, I mean, yep. the. World Economic Forum and all of those ideas. It's just like creating these, yeah, these cities that you don't actually need to, you don't really need to move around. <laughs> well, I mean, you got a picture of a bunch of freeways there, what it is in the United States, right? And that was all built. That was all built, this whole infrastructure, because of the way we structured the country and because of a certain type of part of industrial revolution and the invented, you know, the invention of the combustible engine. 
Yep. You know, <laughs> it, it, it that's the byproduct of these freeways. We need to build these things so we could do this. And these trucks are going through all over the world to yeah. transport goods. So on from here and there, you know, from point A to point B. So um it's Earth period. Yeah, totally. Totally. Well, Earth period. It it really segues us into the last slide, which is why I put aviation, but in travel in general, because it's what, you know, LED brought up and we're kind of riffing on right now is how, how do we get, how do we get around? I mean, aviation is a huge thing that's been coming up ever since like the, the great travel debacle of the, uh, the, the holiday season where like Southwest had that huge infrastructure breakdown with their mm-hmm. outdated computer systems and how the, you know, many, uh, a couple pilots got on and said like the main deal was, you know, they had this guy in charge forever that really cared about the infrastructure and building the company to be what it was. He resigned. And then another guy came in and it was all about the bottom line. How do we get as many butts and as many seats as possible and never fix situation and have employees getting more stressed out and distraught and it literally went the opposite direction of everything that this person had built before that was really working. And, you know, we almost had some plane collisions recently, you know, we think about uh, these self-driving, you know, cars or maybe even aircrafts at some point. And oh, that's coming down like around the corner, like tomorrow morning, basically. Yeah, <laughs> the Tesla has the self-driving cars already. Well, and they had a. I had a sort a whole thing online, or uh, that I was watching a program on HBO where they're talking about one of the issues with because someone had was hit or killed by a self-driving car and they're finding that there is bias in the ai like they are more the the self-driving car is more likely to identify someone who is like a white man than someone who has a darker skin or has you know like so there's this whole ai bias that's within like you know, but i love this. what you said at the beginning like it's humans programming the ai so fundamentally it's a reflection of who we are yeah. and that's so aquarian again it's such an aquarian theme so we might actually see all of the problematics of a of ai kind of we might be reflected through that like all of the yeah problematics that come up like fundamental sort of human issues you know just through that filter yeah. So that's kind of like the, uh, I, you know, kind of the changeover of it all. I mean, what does the future bring? <laughs> I mean, you know, we think about like, oh, we're going to be living in the space age world or maybe the, you know, UFOs is a big topic right now where they just found like, you know, is it, are we really going to get there? What do you guys think? Do you think any uh, of these? Well, I think this is, like I said, it's like the air period opera opening. <laughs> sequence so i think like definitely the air period is going to bring such so much crazy things and pluto and aquarius is kind of the the opening intro <laughs> where we kind of have to come to grip with that that fact I know. <laughs> that, dun, dun, that dun. maybe maybe in a hundred years your grandchildren will be living on mars you know <laughs> who knows yeah i i I mean, some, some final thoughts in my head are first off, this is can't forget that this is a death narrative is involved here. So for me, I definitely feel there's a death happening in the way we have looked at what civilization is. 
you know, we could go back for the last 250 years of just what's happened. And we're definitely at a major shifting point, I think, with this. And I, where we go from the industrial revolution to the technological revolution and how accelerated it's been, we are definitely, there is an end of something. Um, and I don't want to sound bad, like, oh, it's a death, but there is. And I think, I think hope people understand that, like what's coming their way. If you, you need, plus you need to do that in order to bring something new to come in. The other part is, you know, the future, it's interesting because in the 1930s, all the way, I would say into the nineties in media and culture, especially Western culture, the from movies to books to whatever it is, it a lot a lot of it had to do with the future and our imagining of the future. And I actually think that a lot of this has been lost because, in the sense, some of the future we caught up with it because of technology. And you know, that there isn't the same envisioning of what things can be on a longer-term route that that people were making movies about in the 1950s and 60s, sci-fi movies, or the people writing books about this futuristic something, and whether it's UFOs or time travel or whatever, like what people were dreaming up of, of what could be. And I feel like the dreaming or the envisioning or the, the that light bulb idea, I think we it's always there, but as a culture, it's almost lost. Like, the, 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 what, what can we do? What can we be? You know, so for me, if I think about you have this slice as the future, it's almost to me like even thinking about what the future is as people again, to, to have visions and hope and not only just have that, but then to have a, a, the ingenuity, the, the different way of experimenting to make something happen. So it starts with a dream. It starts with, with some sort of something here in, in you, in your own world. So, you know, that's what I want to tell people listening here, that there's a death happening. And at the same time with that is like, okay, then what can we do? What can we be? You know, and, and to actually fall into that a little bit, that it's okay to do that and, and know that it doesn't happen rapidly. And, and knowing that in a fast-paced world where time is, is such of an essence and everything's run by the algorithm, that to give yourself the time and the space to dream and envision something better, something new. So to answer the slide about what the future is, you know, that's, you know, that's my, my thing. And, you making oh. me think of the star, Elodie's card, <laughs> the card of Aquarius. That's what you were just speaking of, essentially. Yeah, it's true not to become cynical and alienated. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I just it's something I was thinking about last night and something that I just I think we have an opportunity in an interesting way for a lot of us. It's hard to see that, but it's like be alert and aware. And the one thing is for me being a you know major Gemini air sign, but I got all this Aquarius stuff that I could tell you from my own experience that there's something about the Aquarius story and ideal that is like this antenna that picks up on things. And you're picking up on a wavelength or something 
that is from some other place, it seems like, something that's never been heard or seen before. And that antenna is something to stand in and to, to, to refine and to let yourself get into. And you can think about it in the Aquarius part of your chart, if you got planets or whatever, but if you think about it in a sense of this, this little antenna that's actually scouting for you, it's scouting around you and it's picking up on those things and bring it into your mind. And then what you do with that, that is there for you. It's there for you to access. So, you know, I just, it's a thing of like, uh, we all have it. I think it's just how dialed in and attuned we are to it. And I think a transit like this will put that in the forefront. So yeah, I think like basically the way we perceive reality is changing. We've kind of stepped into a par- parallel sort of. And it made me think like, it made me think, do people in previous eras, because I always bring back the air period because that's really symptomatic. Like Pluto and Aquarius is symptomatic of the bigger time frame we find ourselves. So I'm just bringing that up all the time because that's kind of how I'm conceptualizing it. And I was like, do people in other air period experience time and consciousness differently than like in in earth period and because we experience the transition mm-hmm. from the earth into the air we can really see it like people are really attuned like we can see this crazy like it's just common like everybody's doing uh, magic and whatever remote viewing and telepathy it's just mm-hmm. becoming kind of common um so it does, there's something happening in terms of the way we perceive reality and time. Like yeah. yesterday I had a consultation with somebody and she started just by saying like, yeah, time is not linear. Like the past and the future all are all overlapping. And these are concepts that in the 60s, it was like, whoa, you know, Timothy Larry or whatever. But now it's like everybody common kind of knowledge. Yeah. And you, the more you're into that mindset consciousness, the more you actually realize that's, that's very true. Um, so I do think that, you know, there is that, that realization. And if we start having pieces of computer implanted into us even more so, like, what does it, what does, what's the meaning of consciousness? Where is consciousness going? Um, what is a natural human? Because I think Pluto and Aquarius will put us, will corner us, you know, like mm-hmm. I was saying with the, the light cycle and the computer screen. So what mm-hmm. is actually a natural human? And people might, we might branch off in like various kind of branches of humans might actually branch off into different types of humans. Yeah. If it, if we're on the sort of verge of that already when we're talking about medicine and biohacking and all of that. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. The time you made me think of a a buzzword that had been going around with the the timeline jumping, timeline jumping, yeah, timeline timeline jumping, and I I think you know there's something to be said for that because the last air period, one of the big definers of it was a change in the concept of time. Like there was, um, you know, having to do with certain clockworks and being able to track time in a certain way, and like. You know, and I I get on consultations. I've had a few consultations, not uh, as of late, where people are like, I feel like there's just a different concept of time going on. Like, I just don't feel like it's just it's it's different. So I I think that is a a, a big part of that reality shift. Right. Yeah. And Pluto and Aquarius, I guess, like because we're talking about Pluto, it's it brings the obsession obsessive side of Aquarius. So it might get 
I personally think like the air period might get a little bit worse before it gets better. That's my, yeah. and I yeah. don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to, you know, people who don't, don't have the astrological context to conceptualize what I'm talking about. It becomes scary when we talk about these words, but at this point we're like almost two and a half hours in, if you're still following then, <laughs> uh, but we're moving with Uranus into Gemini, which will accentuate even more air. This whole decade is very destabilizing. I think it increasingly, especially when Pluto's going to square Saturn and Taurus, we're going to see like, it's going to be tumultuous. That's my, you know, that's, that's my astrologer's perspective on the whole, you know, timeline. I don't think we're going into stability. I think we're going into major, um, destabilization. Yeah. So, but but it doesn't mean that we can't be positive through this. It's, you know, if what's stable doesn't really work for a lot of people on the planet, I mean, there's good things about destabilization um even if it is disruptive revolution and, and the revolution <laughs> and it's true you know like and that's going to be some of the biggest p- part of these key pluto time periods that we you know keep talking about saturn, saturn pluto square it's going to happen in 2028 20, 2029 uh yeah. there'll be a plutonian north node solar eclipse on january 26 2028 There'll be a Jupiter-Pluto conjunction uh, in 2033. Uh, And then not too long afterwards, that's going to be a Saturn-Pluto opposition and a Jupiter-Pluto square while Pluto's on the south node from 2035 to 2036. So that's really, good times. Yeah. Right so 2028, 2029, and then 2035 and 2036. Like these are, I feel like that's going to be like the big Pluto and Aquarius pieces. And of course we're going to have to wait to find that out. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, 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 you know, just to say something too, you know, we brought up the destabilization thing and all that. And I think it's part of it, but it's also part of being human is mutating and being mutable too, to remember the mutable mm. parts of yourself. But you have a Uranus and Gemini relationship with Pluto and Aquarius that on paper is pretty good. Actually, like because, because of a trine. So it's like, it, there, there is something there. There, there's some, some flow. Once it's dialed in, it's there. I just got to tell all my air signs or people have heavy air because we're going into air. It's like you got to get out of your head too to balance it. What happens with Aquarius and Gemini's a lot of times is they're up here and they're computing and they forget about the rest of their body. So it's like in order for things to flow and the benefit of a trying to something like that to happen is you still have to get kind of bring everything back down. You know where things are destabilized, to stable, to stabilize yourself come back in, jump back in and, and, and actually in, uh, uh, take advantage of, of an air sign trying like that. Um, I love it, that. Yeah. yeah. And we yeah. see a lot of people talking somatics like on Instagram, yes. which is kind of ironic because it's mm-hmm. like, we have to be on Instagram to talk about somatics. What? <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, but the, the sort of compulsive scrolling and all of that takes us completely out of our body. So it's yeah. like, we have so much access to information and we're just like, oh my God, it's, it's endearing. Like we just want to be involved. We just want to be into it. But, and it's very hard actually to sit there without a phone. There was like this little clip I saw of like, uh, they challenged like kids who grew up with their phone to put their phone there for an hour and not touch it. And they were like, just completely twisting in their chair, like not able to control themselves. <laughs> you brought up, Elodie, you brought up something right here that is so huge. 
the I, I think here we have to remember regard I how I'm just gonna preach a little bit. We get past the Pluto China, but whatever it is, well, I guess it's part of Pluto is to remember what mystery is. And you know, it you could be sitting at a bus stop before cell phones. Maybe you had a Walkman on and you were listening to music, but maybe you weren't. And most people weren't. And you're sitting at a bus stop and you're either talking to the person next to you or you're just kind of wandering off waiting for the bus to come. And you're just staring at whatever's and you're you're going wherever you're going within yourself and your connection to the world. You're imagining things, you're, you're running over whatever is going. There's no phone in front of you. There's no other distraction. And that those spaces of being human has to do with connecting to the universe and the mystery of the universe. So, you know, it's like we talk about technology, we talk about all this thing here, but if you want to talk about true power or, or re-empowerment, it's like, you know, part of it too, we talk about our integration, but first and foremost, maybe it comes back to the place before we meet in the groups, before we change things as a collective to let ourselves be in the mysterious dream world place without a distraction. Because it's like in our inherent human power, that's where love comes from. That's where all our emotions, the way we process and our insights that come in so we can take steps in our own just story, our personal story. And then we bring that personal story to the people we love or whatever. But it really comes from the place of nothing, of what's in between the ones and zeros. That that's not one or zero, it's something else. And so anybody who knows has created anything in their life knows that when you're in the zone creating, you're not thinking about ones and zeros or the efficiency. You are lost in mystery. And so, you know, if you're looking for the place to go to during the next 20 years or the transits or tomorrow, it's to go back to what Elodie's thing is, is like, hey, you know, maybe it's part of it is not having the thing in front of them and like going back to this place of like, um, True autonomy, like it starts there. Like true autonomy is connection to mystery. Then you go have a drink with your friends who are doing the same thing, you know? <laughs> and or that's how you get a connection to the source, right? That's how you yep. get the tr the antenna to connect, <laughs> you, know, you know? Like you have to not have stimulus in order to be there. Yeah, I think so. I agree with that. And I was just going to like... I, I know you're Pluto and Virgo, Nicholas, but I think Pluto and Libra generation has something to do with this Pluto and Aquarius transit because we're the last generation mm -hmm. that grew up without technology. Yes. We're kind of like the, yeah, we're the last. Uh, and I, I feel like there's, there's something about the trine aspect to Pluto and Libra. There's just something really, it's kind of like our turn to step in and kind of, um, bring back a little bit of that memory into the collective or something. Mm. We're bridging the gap. Yeah. Pluto and Libra. <laughs> sure. Charm me, Pluto and Libra. I, I don't mind being charmed by Venus in the end. <laughs> you don't look very charmed. <laughs> do you want, do we go off on a tangent about Libras or no? That's no, we don't. <laughs> we don't. We leave it in our Aquarius land. Sure well, I think, you good, know, tastes good. <laughs> well, we're in Saturn's territory here. So, well, I guess Saturn is exalted there. So we'll, I have uh, a sun Saturn conjunction in Libra. I'm not a typical Libra. 
You are you are a special Libra who's gonna shine once Pluto comes around. Do you have, you have Pluto and Libra? I do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I we've I've seen a lot of the '90s music coming through now, and a lot of that cycling through because we have Saturn entering Pisces, and I think there's gonna be this huge echo of like that period, like. It's the 90s. It's already happening. The last four years. It is already hours. happening. I'm I like, saw it and I was like, um, I feel old. Yeah. Um, yeah. So oh, I think mean, it's the first time I felt old actually recently. It was some of the trends. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I, I love me. I love it. I was like, skater pants. Yes. I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm like, don't you bring those Jankos back. Do not bring <laughs> you put those back. You don't don't I'm give so us those long it. denim got, skirts. No. Nope. I'm so into it. I'm like, that was the fashion of high school. So I'm like, yes. I'm, yeah. <laughs> uh, I yeah, don't want it back. I, it's I'm thinking about too of being in Seattle during obviously late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. I was involved in the music scene there. So I've been seeing things lately because of Saturn and Pisces with the 93, 96 is yeah. the, the date. So what people are doing, and I'm like, okay, because I was in the middle of all that. So I, I it's interesting to have that come up and and know what that means and what was happening culturally too. Just, oh, just yeah. from the clothes. Such a to, vibe. Such a vibe. It and a actually it's that it's that in-between space too, kind of the space that happened be, from analog to digital. It was starting the hints of crossing over, but it still felt very organic and analog. But yeah. it was kind of a turning point eventually. You know, it's just something that was shifting. You didn't know it, you know, you didn't know it then, but but I got to say, after hearing some of the music, and what people are posting, I'm like, there's some great stuff that came out of there, totally. not just musically, but thought wise, you know. But the and- funny thing is, in high school, we were listening to the 60s, you know, we were listening, yeah. we were so into the hippie and like the oh, 70s. dropping acid, dropping yeah, acid, listening exactly. to Jimi Hendrix, Pink Floyd, you know, like, yeah, totally. So I used to like- fall asleep to comfortably numb with my Walkman every <laughs> night. Like that was my jam. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's that very Saturn and Pisces. I'm like, okay, I'm comfortably numb. Send me to bed. I, don't <laughs> I, had, I had a poster of Kurt Cobain, like the size of my whole ceiling that said, I hate myself and I want to die. die? <laughs> that's on top of my bed. Oh my God. It's funny because I literally just watched a whole in-store because Nirvana played here in San Diego at Off the Record in 1991. And I just came across like someone posted it on YouTube and I went through the whole thing and went back to that time. And um, yeah, it was, it was special. It was different. I do, I do hope like just kind of sidetracking Saturn Pisces, but I'm hoping there's some good music that comes out. Yep. Trans- I think there will be. Yeah. Neptune, no, Saturn, Neptune. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Also the timing of what we're coming out of pandemic wise, whatever the experience is for you and a collective creative. death story, along with everything we've talked about, I actually think we're about to go through an interesting creative output because of so what too. we've been through. And, and it, it, it's, and that happens with collective death process. Like the, the, it happens when you have to take a major shift in your life or you change your life because of whatever happened to you, Kobe, you quit your job. I'm going to go bake bread now. It was something I always wanted to do. I wanted to follow my creative something. And so it's like, there, I think we don't even have a clue yet 
but we're going to start to definitely see it during this transit. Oh, uh, it's I'm very ex- exciting. Me too. Yeah. I'm totally yeah. excited I, for it. Like I'm excited for it. I feel already in it. You know, I've been, I've yeah. been making a lot of stuff lately and kind of getting back in. And so it's, I'm ready for That's it. That's awesome. That's a good way to be sweet ending. Are we going to end yeah, on, excited we're gonna end yes. on that? We're going to end on that sweet note here. Normally I'd be like, tell me one word, but you know what? There is not one word for Pluto and Aquarius. <laughs> I think we had about 5 million words that we just shared here yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's have a little recap. Nicholas, where can people find you? What you got going on? You can find me on the internet. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Using using your cell phone, your technology at my website, sparklesofgold.com. That's weird. (laughs) On Instagram and uh, definitely YouTube. That is becoming my home and it will be my home. Find me on there. I got some interesting things I'm about to do with this Pluto Aquarius story to really mess with people's heads. So I, uh, that's what's up with me. Love it. Elodie, where can people find you? What you got going on? Uh, well, my website is ninehouseastrology.com. I'm on Instagram, but I have a private profile because scammers. So I stand in <sighs> the gates and I only let the chosen ones in. <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth it. You want to follow her. So you've got wonderful yeah. content. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for putting this I together. Guess, yeah, I guess I'll be speaking at Nightlight like in a couple of weeks on uh, archaeo astrology, so really ancient astrology. Ooh. On the nineteenth of March. So I registered for that last night. Ooh. Perfect. All right, nineteenth <laughs> of March. Things. Yeah, yeah, I love it. All right. Well, you can find me over at energeticprinciples.com where I will share both Nicholas and Elodie's information over on my blog site over there. Um, Also, you can maybe find me on Instagram, although I have already gone the way of rebellion and I, it's, it's like, pulling teeth to touch it this, these days. I don't know why I just can't pull myself together to share any thoughts that are in my head, but maybe that will change. Maybe there'll just be an influx of this energy coming in. You're like, you know what? I got things to say again. I got plenty to say. I just don't have the focus or the discipline in order to do it, (laughs) but you may find me there. I Um, loved your slides today. That was really good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Let's, uh, let's be real here. Everybody, just so you know, you know, there was a timeline that Mel wrote these slides, all that is all Mel. Mel, Mel, and I, you know, both Ellie and I have been on your show before, and this is what you do. And I'm always amazed by it because it takes a lot of work. Yeah, that's and, a lot of work. Definitely lot of work. lots of work. So yeah. you rock, Mel. We, we see what you're doing. Thanks. Well, you know, I I would like to teach more. That's actually on my um, because I love putting in their slides and ideas. And so that is on the the visionary radar. Uh, so stay tuned with that. Um, well, if you know, if you're listening to this somewhere, leave a review, wherever you're listening to it, comment below. If you're watching on YouTube and you want to share what, uh, you thought of our riff on Pluto and Aquarius, or, uh, you have some of your own visions to share. We'd love to hear them. Uh, share it with a friend. Sharing is caring, uh, all that good stuff. Well, you know, I had such a great time talking with you both today. I'm so glad we were able to come together on the spur of the moment. You know, the universe came together for us to talk here and then it pulled us apart and we almost didn't talk, but then we got it back together and we did talk. And I'm so glad we did because I think we did a bang up job. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. 
All right, everyone. Well, good luck out there as we go through this great shift uh, that is March of 2023. It's big astrology out there. Almost too big. (laughs) So we wish you all the best of luck. And as always, may the stars be with you. 